In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. It's good, so bad it's good with Rock and Bailey using Watch What Happens live music. I'm stealing Watch What Happens theme song. You guys, welcome to an all new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is a Monday. Welcome to the week. We have two more weeks until the Christmas thing that happens and then that weird week in between Christmas and New Year's where we all... We all have existential crises and wonder what the heck we're going to do with the new year. And this year in particular, this has already started on the wrong foot. How are you guys? I have something so exciting. I usually don't come to you on Mondays, but today is is an exception. I'm giving you a gift today. I feel this interview is a gift. I've been teasing this interview for like a month now uh, because it didn't really have a... Um, the reason it didn't have a time, like I didn't need to get it out because we weren't talking about like last week's episode of Atlanta or something. We were talking about reality shows as a whole. So, uh, and today is a perfect day to to do this because we have the producer of Summer House. Not only does he produce Summer House, he produces Family Karma, which you guys need to check out on Bravo. They had an amazing first season. They're about to have a second season. We confirmed that in today's episode. Um and Summer House, the trailer for season five came out today. So I'm going to play the trailer here in a second before we get into this interview. And uh, the gentleman I'm speaking to today, his name is Ian Gelfand. And I have to tell you, he I know I'm always pretty positive about anybody that I speak with, but I have to say for not ever having talked to this gentleman uh, before I, I talked to him and I was very nervous, as usual, as you guys know uh, how I get I was very nervous, and he was one of the most kind, funny, informative people on how these shows get made. He just – he gave me so much time. I want to really, really thank him. Uh, I don't know if he'll listen to this, but Ian, thank you. He, you know, really very inspirational and um, – uh, just uh, the interview just really motivated me and kind of uh, confirmed my love for this genre. And, uh, you, you know, just you, you see why this man is producing some of the, the best content I've seen. He just it, it seems like a very 
cool dude, a kind dude, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. It's about two hours. It's a lengthy interview. Uh, So today's episode is just going to be Ian. There is nothing else that is needed. I hope you guys do listen to this. This is really, um, this is my favorite kind of conversation because I really get to dig in about who he is, you know, how he started, how he got to reality shows. I always find that everybody has a journey. You guys have a journey, even if you don't think so, even if you think, oh, it's my little life or something. I've always thought that about myself at times, but we all have a journey and everybody has one. And it's so fascinating to hear his because started off in stand up comedy, then was going to write for TV shows. And then he ended up in unscripted and he's still I, I just think it's such a neat journey and it really rang true to me starting off in this business as an actor. And seeing, you know, which doors open for you and which don't and having to course correct as you go along or do something here so you can support your other love of of this thing over here, you know, and I always find it really inspirational. And it's it's so funny because I treat uh, I think of Ian like a god, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, he's in charge of Summer House. He he's in control of the Summer House. Or, you know, he he's worked with the Duck Dynasty guys, (laughs) He's you know, but. In reality, you, you you know you sense that he's constantly striving, constantly uh, looking for the next thing, trying to piece together that next idea. And I think I think that is, I'm sure living it is much different, but hearing about it, it's so cool to me. I'm like, wow, this guy is living the dream. And anybody that you ever think is living the dream in reality, they they do not think, you know, spoiler alert, they do not think they are living their dream. But I just, I really cannot say enough good things about this. I could spend two hours just complimenting this guy, but I want you to hear him. And remember, with these long interviews, uh, I think they're amazing, but it's a little different. You know, it's, 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 we kind of take our time getting into it. Like the second hour, I'd be like, I mean, we start to get really into Summer House and into the quarantine of Summer House. And I'm so glad they announced that it's coming back in early February because Ian told me at the end of this interview when Summer House was coming back. And I've had to, I've had to sit on this secret for a month now, and it is for such a blabbermouth like me. I just want to also pet pat myself on the back and say, Ryan, great job not revealing the Summer House premiere date to all of your friends and family. I mean, I could have told my family they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. But, you know, still, it the urge was there. And I just want to say, Ryan, if you ever listen to this back, you're growing up and I'm so very proud of you. Uh, and I'm also proud of you guys. So this week, remember, this week is going to, we're going to do this episode. We're going to have a huge one on Wednesday. We'll also have a Salt Lake City recap, Southern Charm, all that stuff, and an embarrassment of riches. On Patreon, I put up three new episodes this past weekend. So if you want to throw five bucks uh, towards me a month, please do it. If not, all good. You got so much free content here. It'll last you from now to Timbuktu. Is that a phrase or is that, am I just making up phrases now? Um, do and before we get up, we'll talk in the mate the the main show on Wednesday. We'll talk about this more. But dude, dude, that Potomac reunion, dude, holy moly! I I just got chills saying holy moly, holy moly! If I ever go into a situation where somebody brings out a burn book on me or some kind of like receipt book i'll run i mean if i ever see monique holding any kind of book i'll run at this point like that but at the same time very enjoyable to watch giselle get taken down and that's only episode one we have two more episodes i'm telling you if anybody works for bravo 
slip me the I obviously can be trusted with a secret. Slip me the next two reunions. Please, bravo, if you're listening, slip me the next two Potomac reunion episodes. I need them now. My belly is hungry. Um, but yeah, that was wild. Atlanta, I, I, so much. So I'll talk more, way more about that on Wednesday's episode. I got some great guests coming up. And then remi- just a reminder, uh, beginning of January, I'm going to take the last two weeks of December off. I'll still be on Patreon and I'll still be on Instagram if you guys need to reach me. I need those two weeks to organize everything that's happening. We're going to a daily format Monday through Thursday with a little thing on Friday. And I got to organize and set up shop at a new place. It's whole thing. And then I'm spending those two weeks just answering DMs and catching up on everything. If I am so behind on so many things, but, um, don't, don't stop reaching out to me. Don't, you know, like always just try again. If I haven't, I'm not purposely trying to ignore anyone. Trust me. And I'm mailing out my holiday cards today. I got those from Kinko's for Patreon listeners. And I'm really excited about those. I'm just really feeling blessed towards the end of the year, even though it's really hard and, you know, I don't have a job, but I'm feeling blessed because this is what a, I, 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 I got to talk to this Ian Gelfand guy and that you're about to hear. And I finished that interview and I was just like, man, I could have talked to that guy eight more hours. I felt so blessed. I felt so lucky to be able to do this and to have a decent enough show because of you guys that people want to come on this show or people will even consider coming on this show. I was booking a couple guests for January already, a couple guests in the reality show realm that actually mean something to me. And I was blown away. I was like, if I could go back and tell my 18 year old self that someday you would be talking to this person and this person, my 18 year old self would be like, who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you telling me these things? This is so weird. But they would also then once I calmed them down, uh, because I appeared out of nowhere, they would say, wow, I'm so proud of you. That's I would never have thought you would ever be able to talk to these people. So it's really exciting. Thank you for going there on this journey with me. Like I said, yeah, Patreon, uh, leave a good review, a five-star review on Apple Music, especially now, especially now as I'm transferring over things. The more you do that, it helps. Also, uh, I'll be talking about this more and more, but when those new shows air, you know, we're talking, uh, there'll be smaller, definitely smaller episodes, hour to an hour and a half max a day, but mainly we're going for an hour. So if you need those long episodes, I say save them up for the end of the week and play them back to back. But in those first couple of weeks, I think you guys need to, if you could play like 10 minutes of each episode, I think that counts as a download. I've got to look into that really how that all works but we're trying to get numbers to a certain i'll explain it later but anyways let's play the season five summer house trailer that just came out this morning and go over that trailer just as an amuse-bouche as a warm-up for the main course mr ian gelfand who has had a insane career um so let's get into this i'm going to play this trailer and then we're going to talk about it afterwards now just remember uh, this is just the audio so you'll be able to visualize what's happening in your head but then i also need you um after you listen to this go watch it visually because visually um you know <laughs> i know it's it does add something <laughs> i love that i'm like let me explain how visuals and audio work you know audio you hear it but visuals you see. okay we got it here it is summer house trailer season five pandemic time baby this place is a disaster never in my life did i see this for me hannah what is up your ass i wish i had something on my ass right now because i feel a lot better 
wishes have you made for me? Come on, you jackass. Admit it! Admit it! I don't like you. Da 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 da. Yeah, we're in the summer house. Dude, this is so pandemic. I'm just excited to start a life with you and like a family. What if we just like eloped? We gather here today to celebrate the wedding of Kyle and Amanda. I truly do love you. I'm ready for engagement, marriage, babies. You can touch my boobs, I don't care. Sierra made her presence known. Let's f the guys up. Yeah. I would f her. I love you so much. Okay. The question is like, deep down, do I feel like I'm not with the right person? Your smoke show, total Thanks. babe. If I met this Carl two summers ago, it would have been a totally different story. Do you still like her? Let's be honest, yes. Should I just Carl? I just love love. Sierra is dating down. Luke is dating up. Careful, careful. I got it. We dated for seven months. And you rub her in if my I face to make me feel bad? I don't know what world you're living in, but it's not reality. <laughs> Dude, you're texting Hannah too at like midnight and 11 o'clock. No, we talk. What is it that Lindsay needs? Where is that guy? I'm just gonna leave the house. Oh, hey, Lucas. What's up, hubs? <sighs> Lindsay already. Shut the f up. Mother! a bad friend of these girls. Why do I have to be attacked by a little blonde leprechaun? Okay, send the kids out of the room um, and just step away from your speakers or, um, you know, to turn the volume down in five, four, three, two, one. Ah, so bad! It's bad! I'm so excited! I needed it so bad! It looks so awesome! It looks so awesome. Summer House, this is my prediction, is taking over for Vanderpump Rules. That same passion we had for Vanderpump Rules season six and before, that's this, baby. That's this. Summer House, baby, will never fail us. Remember, I think of the Summer House as, as an entity. So if you think of the Summer House as a character, these other characters, they come and go, but the Summer House always remains. I feel like it's like the Amityville Horror House. Like, the Summer House is the main character, and I do talk about that with our guest, uh, Ian, in a bit. But let's go over this trailer, because, I mean, it it had the dramatic music, it had hooking up, it had fights, it had romance. Um, we do, um, what's-her-name's not back um, I've, I'm blanking out. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it in a sec. So let, I'm reading from a People magazine article that came out. During a year when everyone could use a relaxing escape, the Summer House cast returns to their Hamptons getaway only to be met with even more drama. Um, so they resumed filming in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic in July for a summer unlike any other. And by the way, we also talk about their restrictions for pandemic filming in this uh, interview. The season official synopsis reads, The drama intensifies as the Summerhouse crew mixes business with pleasure for the first time altogether, 24-7, quarantining. Do you see what they did there? Teaming. T-E-A-M-I-N-G. Quarantining. Love that. Quarantining quarantining in the Hamptons, this friend group must tackle busy work schedules, tumultuous relationships, and epic parties under one roof. Boom, baby. 
Returning for the new season are Kyle Cook, Amanda Bat- Batula, Lindsay Hubbard, Carl Radke, Hannah Berner, Paige DeSorbo, Luke Gulbrinson, and Daniela Olivi- Oliveira. The quarantine crew is also joined by a new roommate, Sierra Miller. Uh, she's a beautiful African-American lady, an ICU nurse from the New York City who is sure to stir the pot. Sierra made her presence known, uh, Daniela warns in the trailer of Miller's introduction to the show. I would fuck her. Whoa. Miller was invited to the house by Luke, and the pair soon get caught in a messy love triangle with Burner as she and Luke rehash their fling from last summer. We dated for seven months, and you fucking rub her in my face to make me feel bad? Burner is seen tearfully telling Luke in the trailer. Also teased in this upcoming episode is a surprise wedding between Cook and Amanda, whose relationship grows stronger while working and isolating together. I'm just excited to start a life with you and, like, a family, Amanda tells Cook in one scene. Cook later suggests, what if we just, like, eloped? The trailer then shifts to show the entire cast dressed in white as Radke, Carl, officiates their wedding. Fans can also look out for Carl's summer of self-care, as he previously revealed that he stopped drinking after a rough season four. It was very rough, you guys. Uh, I just think, for me, I feel like I could still be the same vulnerable, opinionated, fun Carl, but not having several thousand beverages over the course of the summer, he said during an episode of the Publicity publicity podcast well fuck that podcast it should be on my podcast that's so offensive uh i'm looking forward to showing this side of me carl said because i have this in me i have this in me and i always have summer house returns season five on thursday february 4th at 9 p.m eastern standard time on bravo guys thursday night's a perfect night for summer house because it leads us into Friday, which leads us into the weekend. So it's like Thursday will give us that kind of weekend party vibe. Thursday nights, we can start the weekend early. And sure, that doesn't weekends don't really mean a lot during quarantine. But I feel like this is the perfect day to put Summer House on because you don't want Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nobody's there. Monday's too early in the week. You can't enjoy debauchery watching that on TV on a Monday. Tuesday, you're kind of digging into the week and it's just still not. It's more of a housewife night. Wednesday, you're getting there, but it's still so long to the weekend. Thursday night, perfect night for the house of summer. You know what I'm saying? Also, before we get into this interview here in a second, I also want to say, guys, go watch Family Karma. You are going to fall in love with these people. Trust me. Watch Family Karma. It is only one season. It is something you can do over this holiday break. Or just break it up. Just do one episode a day. We're not asking you to binge, but just watch it because you're going to see a second season. We always say we need to support all of the Bravo shows. So Bravo keeps making shows. They put their hat in the ring uh, because a lot of other streaming uh, services are getting in the ring. And we talk about that as well because he's doing a show for Netflix uh, that's going to air pretty soon, too. And uh, I'll be making that announcement when he's able to make that announcement. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this is just all good news. And also, did you see the here in the preview when uh, Paige is like, uh, should I fuck Carl? Like, Paige and Carl, I think something is going down, downtown, you know, like sexy parts time. Like, they're getting nakies together. You know what I'm saying? I think that's happening. She's like, if Carl was like this two years ago, I would, you know, I would I would have like really, you know, like she's throwing himself or throwing herself at him. And Luke, of course, causing real drama when you're that much of a pretty boy. What a jerk. And yeah, it looks like they did get rid of that one girl from last season that really started to stir the drama. And, you know, what's funny is that Ian knew that. And I asked Ian about uh, her at the end of this, uh, towards the end of this interview. And he really was like dodged it. Like he didn't let it, he did not let it slip that uh, she is not on the show. So I was trying to get that out there. But uh, anyways, 
Uh, I also, before we start this, I want to uh, thank my friend, Shira Hertzman Weiss, who got me this, um, now got me this uh, interview. Shira did that. And Shira has been so good. She also helped me get Elise. Uh, she has been nonstop supportive and she's going to be on the podcast soon herself. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of reality stuff and, and she's just kind of a wealth of knowledge and an amazing writer herself, but she got this. So Shira, Shira, I think you're listening. If you're not listening, um, somebody tell Shira, thank you. I'll tell her myself. Uh, I keep dodging her text because she keeps asking when this is going to come out. And I was like waiting for the perfect moment. And I, I was going to release it, uh, you know, I was going to release it a bunch of different times, but I was just kind of, I liked this one so much that it was so personal to me that I didn't, like, I kept like, kind of like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And then I woke up and there was a summer house trailer and I think this will be perfect for you guys to have this week. Um, so without further ado, my next guest, Ian Gelfand, G E L F A N D is just like I said, just an amazing man. Really enjoy the journey. He really gets into, I think, towards the second hour, really how these shows are put together. And I was like a kid in a candy store. I could have, like I said, talked to this guy all day about so many things because he is just a wealth of all the knowledge that we need to know. And as I get further into dissecting these shows, talking to somebody like him that pieces together these shows is insanely important because you get to see how, you know, how the sausage is made. And it could turn some people off, I'm sure, because they want to kind of live in this make-believe world of like, these are all completely real and there just happens to be cameras there. But I love how you take what is real and make a show out of that, you know? And I think Summer House is really just the last couple seasons when uh, Ian took over has been the, have been the best seasons on Summer House. But this gentleman has worked on everything. Uh, we talk about love and hip-hop on this. Uh, he had did a season on Duck Dynasty, on all of these reality shows that kind of led one to the other. So uh, every time you look, like, make sure you look at the credits. And this guy, Ian Gelfin, you'll see him on a lot of these shows. And without further ado, here is the man of the hour, Ian Gelfin. <laughs> You guys, we are so privileged and honored today because we usually get to talk to some of the stars of these reality shows. We get to talk to podcasters who talk about this all the time. But today we get to talk to somebody that is involved in the DNA of these shows. We, I think of these people as artists. You know I come from an acting background and what this next gentleman does, I think in the same terms of artistry in putting these shows together. I cannot wait to find out more about his career, but I can't wait to share with you guys uh, everything that he's about to say. So please welcome Ian Gelfand. Um, and we're going to go into your career and I'll, I'm going to do a little bit before this that says all the shows you worked on. So that already have happened. So Ian, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Can we take all that out? So <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, let me just uh, do that real quick. Um, so this really is exciting for me because I feel like these are the shows we all really love and nobody 
Um, we all joke about the reality stars and kind of talk about the, uh, the, the, the plot lines that are put together and stuff, but we never really tend to think deeper of how these shows are put together. Um, but I, I want to start like kind of at the beginning of your career first. How long have you been in this industry? Uh, boy, so when I, when I got out of school, I was uh, going into finance. Uh, I had, <laughs> I had, I had always worked, uh, for a company called Sanford C. Bernstein and company every summer through high school. And they offered me whatever I wanted when I got out of school. And, uh, when I got out of school, I realized that was not what I wanted to do. I was like, you only live once. Let's, let's try for something. You know, I don't want to look back in 20 years and be like, what, what bad decisions I made. Uh, and not saying that would have been a bad bit for me. I think it wasn't the right thing for me. And I loved uh, stand up and comedy. So I started doing stand up and was moderately successful at it. And, and was this in New York or was this in where was this? This was in New York. I had the uh, I was fortunate enough to be born and raised in New York. Because like if you start comedy in Ohio or you yeah. started in you know, Kansas or something. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad, but you, there's extra time you spend before you're like, Oh, I have to move to New York or LA if I'm really going to make it. I just started it. Like I was already there, which yeah. makes that easy. Like, you know, when you're broke stand up in Kansas and you're like, I have to move to New York, but I can't afford it. And I got to find it here. I was already there. And yeah. so I started, uh, you know, early in my life and uh so that was helpful and new york uh as far as i'm concerned new york is the breeding ground for the best stand-ups uh really uh there's a big emphasis on being a good writer of your stand-up as well as a good performer um boston has some great uh stand-ups come out of there chicago also and then LA, uh, I feel uh, you'll get people from those places moving to LA. Yeah. But the LA uh, way of doing it, I always felt was a little more character based and uh, yeah. a little more acty. And the New York way was a little bit more sharing of yourself. But now it's all kind of merged together. That was back then. But I was in New York, lucky enough, I started doing stand-up i did a couple of those shows you know like uh, you know whatever stand-up stand-up on comedy central yeah. or uh you know uh, caroline's comedy hour you know that kind yeah, of yeah totally and uh, and then from there i started getting writing jobs sorry go ahead so no, no i mean so that i mean it really kind of if you if anything it taught you to kind of like uh write for yourself and write for others or just write for yourself and then that led to writing jobs where that opened you up to being able to write for others yeah i think at first it was just writing what i thought was funny and for myself it's hard because you know you you, you sort of the 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 biggest there there are two ways to approach it you could either make some fake character that isn't you and yeah, then write yeah. for that character and you know or you the more i always felt that the more you were honest and shared of yourself and were authentic and wrote about your life or your that first of all people can't just steal that and second of all uh it, it's just better it comes across more authentically so you start writing and you write what's funny and then you write what's better for you. And then 
And then people say, oh, I like the way this guy writes. He's real funny. Could you come and write for us? And then you start going, oh, okay. And really it's, you know, if it's not that hard to write for somebody, like you get, it's about, it's about like pattern recognition and like yeah. seeing what they're about, you know, one also it's like comedy so interesting because it's gone through so many phases, even in terms of TV comedy, where you have, you know, multi-cam sitcom was huge in the eighties. Then that opened to the door to the single cam sitcoms, which are so popular right now. And, you know, you know, multi-cam is so like specific, there's a specific uh, rhythm to it, you know, and, and the jokes are a certain way. And it's so we're not used to that really anymore because we're used to like really personal single cam comedy now you know but did it did did it then start training you to look at like personalities of like oh i know why this girl is funny because she's this and i know why this and this is interesting to me like did that does that like kind of almost percolate in the back of your head while you're doing all of this stuff you know sort of been i'll say this uh First of all, I got to say your voice is amazing. You have like a radio DJ voice. Like, uh oh, is that, is that, that hey, we're going to spin it on the top 40. It's White Snake. Yeah. No, not like Dingo. <laughs> maybe, but, uh, but you just have it's very soothing and, and uh, has a good timber to it. But that's aside the point. Um, I would say that comedy is very subjective you like there i i'm i'm such a comedy snob in a lot of ways like i i just uh, like if i say oh that's funny like that's me basically laughing yeah, 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 like yeah. you know like like lol when we say lol we're not usually actually laughing out loud right exactly like, that's a funny thing i like that i like that. right i i love great writing and great twists i i've never been as much into uh, character comedy per se, you know, I love curb and Larry David and he's yeah. a big character and I love Seinfeld and Kramer and George. These are characters, but I love really smart writing. And those, those shows also have that. And that's what always made me feel good. But, uh, as, uh well, speaking of that, what have you, what have you been watching in this last year or even, I mean, I know you've been busy actually we'll get into this in, in quarantine, but like in the last year, what, what is something that sticks out to you of like, damn, that's smart. Damn. That's funny. Like I, I really enjoy this. Uh, comedy's tough. Uh, I don't have a ton of, I mean, I love the office. I watch reruns of the office. I was the just time. listening. <laughs> I, I've been listening to this audio book about the making of the office that got, they did like an interview book and it's really, I mean, cause of course it started from the Ricky Gervais British one, but like that, putting that together and, and having it take off, like, or, or having NBC not give up on it that first year. And I mean, it just really, it got smarter and smarter. I mean, those stories are always the best. Same with Seinfeld. NBC was going to give up on Seinfeld. Yeah. And then it's a, like the, the shows that they kind of let kind of find their way always turn out. So well, that's a per well, exactly. And I mean, I know this is kind of jumping around, but that's exactly what I've thought about Family Karma. And a lot of us did is that, wow, Bravo better stick with this. Bravo better give this a shot because it's going to find its audience. Same with Summer House, which is another thing you worked on. If you, you know, like Summer House, I think had the best season of all this past quarantine because, I mean, it just clicked and we were all just having to sit in our rooms anyways, but it clicked on top of that. And it's one of those things that like Bravo and all these networks can't give up on these things because people like shows find audiences. They don't automatically get them right away, you know? especially appointment television like something like family karma or summer house if you if it was on netflix 
and you would go on Netflix and scroll. You'd be like, Family Karma, eh, I don't know. Family Karma, eh, I don't know. And eh, maybe I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and like, you know, like a lot of Netflix shows after a month or two, you're like, let me see what this is about. Or the trailer <laughs> pulled me in or the. You, you see know. the top 10 of the, the Netflix top 10 and it's crazy. They can make, they made a movie from Naomi Watts, The Impossible from like nine years ago. It yeah. hit the top 10 in the past couple of weeks. A, a movie yes. from that didn't even do good box office just because same, it was on Netflix. Same with uh, Moneyball. Moneyball, they I just watched Moneyball, Moneyball three weeks ago. Right, and I love Moneyball when it yeah. came out, but then Netflix gets it. I'm like, oh, I like that movie, and it's on the top <laughs> ten, and I'm like, yeah, let me see. I, I did that you know. totally. <laughs> but uh, so when you're Bravo, though, I need you to either, I need you to be more active if it's Bravo. So I have Family Karma comes out and then it's like, it, it's Sunday at nine, let's say. So either you have to actively be going to Bravo Sunday at nine when it airs, or you have to actively have seen a trailer and go, I'm going to set my DVR. And how many times do you forget to set your DVR? And then you All miss the, the first one and yep. then... You know, that's why these streamers have such an, well, many reasons they have an advantage. There are no commercials. There are no, you know, you can binge it. But linear television is having such trouble competing. So shows like A Family Karma or Summer House, it's not just is the show good or not good. It's that people have to make an effort to watch it much more so than they've been trained now based on Netflix, Amazon, whatever, because yeah. on those, eh, what's on? Let me go look and scroll through Netflix for 20 minutes. Oh, let me try this or that. Whereas if I want to watch family karma today, I, I can't, how will I find, like, I got to go to some, it's a process. Or, it's a process. Right. Yeah. And, and that really hurts the show from growth and from this and that. So even when you make a great show and you put it on Bravo and then all of a sudden no one watches, it's the time slot. It's the, oh, the commercial came on and they changed the channel because there's something, you know, where now I hope they set their DVR. And then when they watch their DVR, they don't watch the commercial. So that hurts hurts the uh, viability of the show to pay for it. And, and there are yeah. all these that pile on so boy i feel like we took a long road here but what the, no this is a, but, this is this is i'm like geeking out this is perfect take a but, longer road yes but uh i feel like um so shows like that they do you want bravo to stick with it but they don't have the same luxury as a netflix or something where it's like well let's see how it does in the first three months and and then go from there. I mean, I I've started watching shows on Netflix that are in season four, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, let me go watch Dark, or let me go yeah, yeah, watch. Yeah. Like uh, my friend told me about this show. Let me. And you don't start till season two or three, and then you go back and watch the whole thing, and you're like, oh, I and, like that actually, because sometimes it's like it it it's it, it's like uh your favorite show made a prequel, and you get to go back and see why all the car characters like turn like I did that with Vanderpump Rules on Bravo, where I started at three season four, and then I got to go back, and I was like, oh my god, Jax was an asshole the whole time. That's insane, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much of a discovery that is, but, <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I just think like there's, uh, there's always a chance someone could catch on to the show when it's like on Netflix or on something, whereas on Bravo, it's a much harder 
And who has the Bravo app, really, not to put Bravo down, just like people Hard, don't- Hardcore go, fans do, that's it. Like hardcore, right. and we all like, I have the Bravo app, everybody that listens to this show has the Bravo app, but at the same time, you, you know, I would still tell like, oh, you can watch it on the Bravo app if I'm trying to get somebody to watch it and I have to explain what the Bravo app is, da da da, you know. But Family Karma is really interesting because it got such good uh, feedback and especially from the fan base, like from the hardcore, and I tell- the podcast every week is like you got to support these shows whatever comes out on bravo just so they they keep making new shows like we can't get stuck in this real housewives things for the rest of our lives we need the variation but what is it like for a show like family karma that i felt like out of the gate everybody was like these are great characters these are great storylines um and and what's that feel like but then to not get like insane ratings or or do you go in knowing this ain't going to get insane ratings, but I know it's going, if people are into it, it's going to succeed in the long run. Well, I'll say just to go back a drop, which is that's the problem is that hardcore Bravo fans watch these shows and will kind of give a show a chance. I think most of the time a hardcore Bravo fan will be like, I'll give uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City a chance, or I'll give uh, Texacanas a chance, or I'll give... Amp getaway or right yeah. right like i'm a hardcore bravo fan let me give it a shot right but that won't sustain a show you need the people who aren't hardcore fans you need to get to them that crossover to, to, yeah. to then get them to be like oh you know what actually i do like this show i'm not a bravo fan but boy family karma or boy uh camp getaway or whatever it is but they have, that's where Bravo has its biggest trouble because if the fan base doesn't fall in love with the show, that's fine. But you're not getting other people with the Bravo app or stuff like that. that that's the hurdle. But, but if you do make something that Bravo fans respond to, so like Family Karma, it didn't rate like Real Housewives of Atlanta, the number one show on, or, or the, what's that other show, uh, Below Deck which is a big show for them. Yeah, nobody but, realizes how big Below Deck is. It's always fun. I try to tell people like their ratings are insane and people are like, "Oh, really? I didn't I had no I had no clue." Yeah, actually they're the only show I think on Bravo now that the ratings are growing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Both yeah, those yeah. ratings go down, you know, like yeah. and even Atlanta is still their number one show, I think, but but just less people watch Winnie and less people so so ratings anyway. Uh, below deck ratings are going up every season so that's yeah. like a really anomaly and that's people love that but and also the people watching that are not all huge bravo fans no, so that's huge the, huge yacht fans yeah yeah well they get crossover there yeah, and exactly. that's what they need uh i'll say this going into family karma i did not uh i did not um I didn't kind of dilute myself into thinking this show was going to be the biggest hit on Bravo. Uh, actually, you know, I feel like uh, they gave me a lot of leeway on that show the first season there. And, and I, um, my default way of doing a show is not necessarily in line a hundred percent with the Bravo box. Like, um, you know, uh, I just like a, it, things to be a little lighter, a little funner, a little more funny. Um, I felt that there was an opportunity with Family Karma when I was doing it. The 
the the kids live with the parents, which I thought was amazing, <laughs> and the parents budding into their lives in such a way I thought yeah. was amazing. It's such a and, good, good trope. It's a comedic trope that is like just perfect, you know. Yes, and uh, and I didn't I didn't write that. That's how they are, and that's how the culture is. And the everybody leaned into it, and believe me, there were some people who were saying, "Let's just follow these kids." And I'm like, "No, that you're going to get so much more with the moms and." You know, even like a kid's a thirty-year-old, it has his thirty-year-old friend over, and his mother's wiping his cheek. Like you're, you're dirt here. Like you know, it's mom, leave me alone. Like stuff like that, and the true love between the parents and the kids, even when the kids are annoyed by their, like there was something there that I felt uh, wasn't shown on these types of shows and isn't necessarily fit into that box, but uh, there was a way to expand that. And um, I gotta say that, I mean, I love uh, Shari Levine over at Bravo is she's so brilliant and smart. And my execs on that show, Noah and Josh, they were also were like, they were very open-minded into trying let's let's try a little bit different let's try to have it a little and and uh if you you go in so you go in with that kind of almost mission statement or even i see that a lot with summer house where it is fun where it is kind of this uh so you got to go in with this mission statement of these are the characters and this is the tone we're looking for or is it the tone is like well you're going to get this tone because these are the people we chose and the families we chose um, I think it's a little of both, but you know, um, when they hire a showrunner, they want to hear what your vision is. What do you see when you watch this show? What 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 speaks to you? What do you think could happen this season, whether it's a first season or third season or whatever? And what do you think the show needs? And there are things that I just um I kind of just lean to towards that I love. I love shows that have heart that uh, have authenticity or real in the way that people relate to each other. And, and I, I need comedy, I need drama, I need romance. You know, I, I, I want to see, is there potential for this? Like uh, on Family Karma, you, you meet uh, Monica and Brian and you're like, oh, this, there's sparks with them when they're together and there's romance there and they're fun and funny together. And you meet Vishal and Richa and you meet, you know, Lopa and you're like, oh, this is pretty funny, but also a little drama there. But it's <laughs> but it's a little bit like what mother wouldn't care about who her daughter's marrying. And even though Lopa is a little more um, outspoken about it, that's every parent is like, you know. So as a producer, are you are you thinking 30 steps ahead? Like, are you thinking like, oh my gosh, there's, there's potential here. I see, you know, cause you just, you know, uh, you know, you did a character, you just did a character breakdown as an actor. I'll get a breakdown of like, this is your character. Da, 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 da. Are you doing a character breakdown for each one of these guys in your head, even before cameras roll? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before we start the season, uh, myself or I, I, I'm very collaborative with my team. I have different producers I really like to work with. So together, we'll put together a Bible, what's called a, a show Bible yeah. every season. 
And even though it's not a scripted show where like in the scripted Bible, you can say exactly what everyone's going to do that. I, I had the Star Trek, the next generation scripted Bible. When I was a kid, I was like a complete nerd and I got my hands on the Bible. I was so excited. Yeah. Was it written in Klingon? <laughs> yeah. It took me, took me three years to read it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So in a reality show, I write a, a, a Bible for the season with what my best guess is based on what's going on with the interpersonal relationships and all where I think these stories will go and what I think the stories that we're going to follow are now with reality, those things pivot like, um, and I think what makes, uh, a good showrunner, not that I would know for sure, but <laughs> what makes a good showrunner I think is being able to, Go in with an idea of what you think will happen and a plan of how we'll cover these things unfolding. And then when it doesn't go the way you thought in your Bible or whatever, that's fine. Like it's reality. These are real people. Okay. You, you, they're not going the way I thought, but 90% of the time it goes better. I'm like, wow, I never would have thought well, of that. When you brought in Luke to Summer House, did you think, oh, Luke, uh, we're going to hope that uh, Luke flirts with Hannah or you're looking for like, oh, maybe she he could disrupt Paige's relationship. Do you Are you thinking like, what are you yeah, thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you book someone like that, you're, you start to go, who do you think's going to, who do you think's going to yeah. go for Luke? And you make... Uh, uh, educated guesses, which are always wrong, but you, you know, you know, your cast and you know, your people. And if you would have told me that the season, like when I was writing the Bible, that that's how this last season would unfold with Luke and Hannah, uh, that would not have been my first yeah, guess yeah, yeah. in the, in that Bible. Like it just wouldn't have been, uh, nothing against Hannah or Luke or anybody. I just, that was not, I was like, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if Hannah would go for him. I don't know if he would go for Hannah. But that's, like, but that's kind of a cool surprise then, right? Like you, you're oh. like, I, I set the pieces up and we'll see, you know, that's the reality of it, you know? So then, so like, so the other part of uh, show running is then um, letting those people make their real life choices and supporting them and making them feel like, that like uh, some people will some showrunners don't like to take the risk of letting the cast do what they're gonna do yeah, yeah. i always take the risk of letting the cast do what first of all it's real and authentic and second of all the more you trust your cast and the more they trust you the more they just give you naturally of like okay do what you're gonna do and i have your back whatever happens and they do that. And because of that, that season, like Luke came in and, and did what he did and Hannah did what she did. And that unfolded in the way it did. And it was unbelievably great to watch yeah, yeah. and see it and uh, support those cast members in their decision. Even when you think the cast member might be making a bad decision, you need to support them. And once in a while, I might say, if they ask me directly, I, I don't know if if I were you, if I do that, like in my life, but you do what you feel, you know, there's no such thing or right or wrong. It's just life experience. So just, 
I mean, we were hoping you would have stopped Luke from playing his guitar in his room, but uh, uh, you guys that, let him. You, you I believe let him keep he doing it. <laughs> if it was up to Luke, he, that would all be gone. He hates it, and I'm like, you can't have everything, Luke. You can't be the best. I was like, guy. he's the. I was like, he's a great. I was like, that's why God doesn't give us everything. He's a great yeah. looking guy, but then you see him, I'm like, oh, he thinks he can play guitar and like yeah. sing. He thinks he's a rock star. Like, um. Uh, okay. Do you wait? Do you provide them at least? Do they get free rose or do they have to pay for that? Because that seems like it could really add up. Like, do, I mean, do, is that at least provided with the house? We don't provide uh, alcohol for the cast. Like, uh, uh, on so when they go out, they even have to pay for their own alcohol. Wait, wait. So let, let's let's backtrack. Sorry, when sorry, Ro- sorry. rose will show up at the house because a lot of these companies are like, oh. If I, if whispering angel, if I give my rosé and they like it and they drink it all the time, yes. it'll be on camera. Now they don't have any guarantee they're going to be on camera, but if the cast likes the drink, you're going to see it like on the table or they'll say, get me some whispering angel while you're up or whatever those things are. So, so your product makes it in. So at that house, we will get tons of products sent to us from from companies that just want their product on and some product does not make it just like the cast but if there's something like rosé and you get a few cases yeah it's always uh, there yeah yeah then you know if they like it but there have been rosés that have come and the cast doesn't drink (laughs) it and it sits in the garage and and they try to give it to the crew and the crew's like that's okay and you know like like not every product do but if they like it, then great. They're they're saving a little bit of money on their drinking and you know things like that. Um, I'm like a, a kid in a candy store with you, so I, I gotta. So we uh, this is so perfect, but I want to take it now back. You were a stand up comedian in New York. You were learning how to write for other people and things like that. What is the next step? Because I know you started, I think, in scripted. Did you move to LA? Was that based in New York? Oh, no. So uh, I was working and then uh, Comedy Central asked me to write some stuff for them, which was really cool. And that was like my first writing job. And then I do that and then VH1 and then these like smaller cable outlets. And that built to like me writing, you know, um, spec scripts and this and that and doing my own short films and writing promos for different networks. I was writing promos for a while for uh, Comedy Central. And then what ends up happening is I was like, I want to direct because I'll write something that I think is funny and I feel the director is making it less funny in their direction of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, when you're a kid, you think you know everything and you're like, no, no, I need to direct. And then finally someone gives you a, a chance to direct. And and you do, and then they're like, "Oh, have you directed?" Yes, I've directed before. And then you start directing more. And I ended up on a long tear of like writing and directing promos and commercials, mostly comedy. Once in a while, I do something serious, um, and then every once in a while, getting a TV show that I would get to write on, and then um, and then eventually a friend of mine called me and he was doing a show called American Pickers, if you're familiar yes, with yeah, that. Yes, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. And at the time it was a it was a huge hit. 
And um, I was never into reality as a viewer. See, that's what I I was curious, what your thoughts on reality were before you started on reality. Oh, yeah. I just was like, who would watch this crap? Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? I'm still a little bit like that. But um, (laughs) um, but then I did uh, American Pickers and I was going to do it for a month to help my buddy out who called me to ask, uh, can I help him there? And I, it ended up being over a year I worked on that show. And uh, it, it was the number two show on all of cable. We would battle with um, Pawn Stars was the number one. Yeah. And they came on after us. And, uh, and we would battle with uh, uh, Jersey Shore. Like, oh. like we would go back and forth, which was number two on cable Jersey Shore or us. And we we go back and forth. But I had a lot of fun on that show. And uh, reality doesn't pay like scripted does, but it pays. I'm not going to complain. But they, yeah. you know, but uh, but I did enjoy that. But it kind of put the seed in your head of this is another way of working in this industry. Yes. And a way that I never looked at seriously or cared about but uh but i did enjoy it i really enjoyed pickers i believe me every show has its moments where you're like i want to shoot myself but in general i enjoyed the process and there's uh, you know there's some similarity and a lot of differences between scripted and then i ended up doing a show called auction hunters which was sort of like a storage wars meets pickers kind of hybrid yeah. kind of thing and uh for a company called uh whatever i won't mention <laughs> um, but uh i did uh that show and that was one of the most fun experiences i did that also for like eight months and one of the most experience one of the most fun experiences and not because of the content of the show per se just the crew was amazing we just had a blast and then uh as things just started so i mean unfolding. does that I mean, when you were doing your like own work and scripted and directing and stuff like that, uh, is there any kind of uh, play in the idea of like, well, you know, sometimes with my own work, I was like so precious about my words or my direction. And then when I go over to reality, it's not even something I took serious at first. So I was so much looser and it was it was kind of fun. Is there anything in like that for you? Yes, I think that a lot of. I've been very lucky. I've I've worked on the top shows of cable in their heydays. Like not like you were oh, Duck Dynasty. You were Duck Dynasty too, right? I worked on Duck Dynasty. I show ran. I did Love and Hip Hop uh, seasons four, <laughs> five, and six, which were the highest rated seasons of that show. Like, but because I didn't keep an idea of it being precious, as you said, I think first of all, I never got. I never got. Um, emotionally wound up when things weren't working the way yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. or like, okay, what, what can we yeah. do from here? And actually that's the best way to be like, just like I said, the pivoting reality, you need to pivot all the time scripted. You kind of have to keep like you've written eight scripts and it goes like this and you know, things have to sort of stay. You can pivot a little bit here and there, but reality, there's a constant pivot because if not, now you're scripting it. If not, then you're like, no, no, 
you know, uh, Stephanie, I, you need to do this because I planned that at the end of the season, you were going to do that. <laughs> and then it, and then the person's like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not who I am. And I'm not playing a character. I'm me on TV. So then people are going to think, this was my decision. And then they don't own the decision. And then in the reunion, they go, well, the producers say, <laughs> you know, and so I don't want to ever hear that on any reunion that I uh, was a part of. By the way, of. how used to that argument are you? How used to that? Uh, I mean, do you get that argument a lot or back when you started? Very little because I would never tell them what to do. That was the yeah, thing. exactly. Trust my cast. I will not tell them what to do. But there are showrunners who do like it. But every show also takes a different track. Like American Pickers is one of the most real shows you'll ever see. Uh, what they find is really what they find. They're, nothing's planted there. Uh, those two guys are who they are, what you see when they talk to the, the, the person whose house it is that they're going. That's really them. It's one of the most really, and sure, there are little moments of setup that we need to do for the show. But other than those small little moments, of like little comedy interjection. The rest is really just, this is what they do. They show up at a place, they go through it, they're antique hunters or mantique hunters, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and they go and they look and it's real. And then other shows, you know, are much more set up. Like this is a comedy and we need it to be more comedic or more, you know, but yeah. I really like the more authentic you let the show be, it just sings. It really sings. And people yeah. can tell that you're, you know, very rarely on shows of mine will anyone be like, that's bullshit or that was written or that, yeah, yeah. you know, like I really, I really uh, let the cast make the decisions that they're going to make. And then how let, often are you correct though, in the assumptions you've made in casting and once you get everything that you're like, Oh, it usually ends up how I thought it would anyways. Is it usually like a 90, 10 split? Is it? No, no, I'm always wrong about where I think it's going <laughs> to go. Like if you read that Bible at the end of the season, you're like, what was I thinking? By the way, that's but, why there, there's, there should be a huge, I really think this should be something that somebody pitches. There needs to be like um, uh, fan fiction, but we need to film the fan fiction. There needs to be like, this is how I want it to go. You actually use the actual, Actual cast and do fan fiction you know <laughs> that would be amazing yes. um, but uh but i would say uh as far as casting i don't think i've ever been uh wrong in cat i don't want to say ever i'm sure that i've had my moments but overall the people that i've been instrumental in making sure they were on the show have all been fabulous like pretty much i mean i now i'm sounding very egotistical and i hate that but no it doesn't it, sound no i mean it sounds I, like somebody I, that knows what they're doing i mean it my, doesn't sound well you can never know for sure but my batting average in casting and i'm not always part of the casting 100 percent, but i'll put way in but i will say that my uh my batting average for casting is very high uh my batting average for knowing what's going to happen in the season is much lower much <laughs> does, lower does a does a successful show depend on i mean is it more the 
overall story and the the or is it or is it casting is it do, do the people make it or does the like family karma i think the best reality shows are really cool because it, it brings you into a world that you're not aware of even duck dynasty you know i don't agree with those guys politically and on a lot of things but it brings you into a world that i don't know at the heart they're like oh these are really likable people these guys are fun to watch and it's something like family karma i'm not aware of all of these you know the the how they live their lives so that is amazing to watch and they're good characters on top of it is it just have to be a 50 50 split or is it always casting above idea uh well casting is probably especially for a reality show uh one of the most important things as far as I mean, when you have a show, you have to tell a story and it has to be a good story. But the better the casting, the better those stories are, the more someone is willing to make bad decisions, even subconsciously bad decisions. It helps people watching going like, oh, my God, or wow, I made that decision. This is going to hurt or, you know, whatever those things are. And I'm not, I love it when my cast makes good decisions because I always root for them. I love them and they're like family and they're like my kids. And I'm like, please make the right decision here. Uh, But when they don't, it's fine. It works, it works too. And it actually usually works better where people will then get on Twitter or Instagram, like (laughs) you're an idiot or how could you? Or Well, I mean, that's a, wait, that's a huge question is, I, um, some of the housewives that we all follow, you guys listening, we all joke back and forth is just like, sometimes they ruin it for themselves because they get on Twitter or something like that. And then they just make a mess out of everything. Is there any kind of rules you like put into play when it's like, yo, you guys, I do not want you to, you can interact with some fans and all that. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, at some point the housewives need to say, Hey, after season until season starts, you need off Twitter. Like I can't have you in fights with people and stuff like that. So, so Yeah. So that's, that's a network rule. That's not me. Okay. Right? But, 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 but by the way, I, I'm sure it would personally affect you if all of a sudden we hate, um, uh, you know, somebody going, Carl going into summer house that like, you know, I'm sure you don't want that. Right. No. So sure. Personally, I don't want that either. Um, but there are, there are rules for that that are set up by the network. They don't really want them tweeting at each other in a negative way. And um, they, lo- they, they lose money. If they yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't listen to those rules, it seems like. I mean, it yeah. seems like people, but I, I guess, you know. That's what yeah, it's so silly. It's so silly. And it's always like, it's just TV. And you made those decisions. And now you're... <laughs> You're trying to like uh, garner some type of affection in the fans to be on your side. And it's like, you're not helping. Things. But it's also like, you're creating a second show. Some like Vanderpump rules last season, I thought was like, it was a more in not entertaining, but it was more of a show outside of the show than the show itself was. I was like, uh, I, there's no cameras on this. And yet they're living a whole season without any cameras rolling believe me that is the most frustrating where because i also can't go the next season of family karma or the next season of summer house or whatever and be like that they'll get in scene and start going 
Well, you on Instagram posted that. <laughs> like, I can't use. Because then you have to explain like yeah. what this Instagram thing was. Yeah. Yeah, and and overall, I would, I would lead, I like leaning into whatever's the realest possible thing. So in reality, I would love to show the Instagram post while they talk about it, and then let them talk and whatever. Because what ends up happening is eventually their real lives are the show. Like it merges. Like they they have become this celebrity and that celebrity means a lot to them. And so when someone is trying to take them down a notch and they're a celebrity or they're this and they have this, you know, book coming out or they have, and, and they feel it's affecting all their income. And so they have become this other person yeah. throughout this season. So I get why they get upset. And I'm like, I love breaking the fourth wall. It's my favorite thing. See, that's what I want. Cause on Bravo this season, I think sometimes some of the best things that have happened, or at least it seems like an edict was lifted on Beverly Hills in particular, where they were allowed, Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. Yeah. They were allowed to make production part of the storyline. Where, where do you fall on that? You like, you like that? Yeah, I full like if you're making a reality show, then to start pretending certain parts are that are not real, like oh that doesn't exist, you're hurting, you're you're tying your hands, you're you're, you're doing a show with your hands tied. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you you want to talk about that producer, you want to talk about that cast member, what they okay, let's go for it, like no no holds barred. But uh, a lot of times uh, networks feel that if you break those, you break those. Yeah, uh, they, tr they treat us like we're seven-year-olds. They're like, it, it would mess with our minds if they break, if they look at the well, camera. They don't think it'll mess with your mind like you won't understand it. They think you'll be less engaged. Like, who cares? Like, it, it like it hurts the storytelling. That's so weird. I, I think it's so exciting. It's. Like I think it enhances the storytelling. And I'll say this. Every show I ever do, I always go in saying, and I want to break the fourth wall. That's like always oh, that's like, cool. yeah, yeah. like when I'm pitching and I think we should break the fourth wall. And in Family Karma, I had an idea of the way I wanted to do that. And in the first episode of Family Karma, we broke the fourth wall a couple of times where Monica feeds one of our camera guys, Enrique, like, <laughs> is, do you like it? Like, is it too spicy or yeah. something? Uh, like... I hate the idea of like, and I've said this before on other places, but um, like you're, if there were cameras and cameramen and sound guys and PAs and whatever in my house every day, <laughs> I would not like not ignore them. They would, they would become part of my life. Yeah. Like all these cast members, they know the crew, they know the camera, they know them and they talk to them but they don't want that on camera, which is fine. I get it. It's about them and not the crew or the, or the producers. But if you let some of that be a little less uh, stringent, I feel it would feel more real because I know yeah, it's like a nice would, little spice. It's like, a yeah, I would look to the camera and look well, at I mean, it. Jill, you talk about, you talked about the office earlier, you know, I mean, that, yes. the premise is a documentary shot. You get Jim Halper giving an eye to the camera and we are starting to see, I, I feel like this year in particular, like on Potomac now, like Karen's looking at the camera sometimes and winking like, there's just like little things that kind of adds this nice little, like, Oh, I love that. It's a nice little. Yes. Little and it, I think it brings the audience in. It makes I, I the audience too, yeah. feel like yeah. they're part of it. She's looking at me. 
like this is a live thing. This is a live thing happening. This is a live thing happening, you know? And uh, my, uh, I have a Netflix show coming out. uh, I really, they let me strip away the fourth wall more than I ever have before. So you'll have like, uh, like I have a scene in there where uh, the daughters uh, and the father and the daughter, the daughter's going to college. Like she got, like she's been applying and, and the, the father is worried about boys and wants to have the talk with his daughter. And when he goes to her, like, um, listen, we need to talk about, you know, boys, you're going to college and all. And she's like, dad, there are cameras here. Right. She didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yes. on camera. Yeah, I mean, and I'm like, that's great. Let's, I want to leave yes. that in. I want that to be part of it because to act like there are no cameras and this uncomfortable subject is going on. It just feels uh, not real. Do you give your care? Do you give your, the people you choose to focus these shows on? Do you have to give them a crash course in, um, in reality shows? Like if I stepped onto a reality show, like, are you giving, like if, if when Luke came into summer house or fa- the family karma, was there a boot camp of this is how we film? This is what to expect. This is what to like, I, I would just feel th- being thrown into that situation would be so hard. Do you give them anything going in? No, you have to just give them support. I, there's no, I don't want to cloud their judgment about what to do or what to say or how to act. Like, I'm just like, be you, don't worry about it. And if I feel they're uptight, I'm like, what's going on? You feel like, you know, or if they, or if they're going, they're acting too silly because they're overperforming because there's a camera there and it's their first time on camera. I'm like, don't worry about the, you know, all like that. Like, so it's like individually, honed for each person and what they're struggling with when they first start but within a couple of weeks really people are yeah yeah, yeah. longer to warm up and have a harder time but in general they get it you pitch it do you go this is an eight episode series or do you just get what you get and you piece it together and see what you get um so different networks work differently with bravo they're like you get we're ordering 10 episodes um and and this many weeks like in 10 weeks we won 10 episodes you go great but you hope to get 14 episodes so like summer house the first season i don't know was eight episodes i wasn't on it second season i wasn't on they had a 10 episode order but they delivered 11. my season three which was my first season they had a 10 episode order. We gave them 14, I think, 13 or 14. Then season five, we gave them. Didn't they add episodes? Like, or, or. Well, as you edit and you go, wow, there's a lot of story happening. Here. Oh, okay. Like, there's, we can give you more. But basically, that order for Bravo is a minimum. Like, you yeah, have yeah, yeah. to at least hit this. Um, on Netflix, this is what it is <laughs> like we won eight episodes and all now this- so you, you did the auction hunters you were doing that show then that like what what does it start to become a thing of like well you know what i'm gonna actually focus on reality and i think this is where the 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 river's head headed let me let me hop into this and and start like pitching my own shows and i have my own ideas when does that start happening so uh, after Auctions Hunters, I had such a good time that I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to try a little bit more reality. And from Auction Hunters, I went to Love and Hip Hop. 
which is quite a jump. From, that's like a real difference. <laughs> yes, it's a different. huge difference. But uh, what happened was is uh, the guys who own the company that did Love and Hip Hop, as well as um, uh, Mona Scott Young, who's sort of the face of Love and Hip Hop, and she's uh, an executive producer of that show. I have relationships with those people for years. Mona and I have tried to make movies together for years. She she used to she used to be one of the uh, partners at Violator, where they, they she was a manager of hip hop stars, Buster Rhymes, Missy Elliott. She still manages them and other people, Jim Jones, and all like that. Yeah. So I knew her for years, and I was uh, I used to work on music videos a lot back back in the day with Hype Williams and guys. Oh like, my God, Hype Williams was like the guy, one, yes, like one of the yes. bit, one of the top ten, yeah. He's great. He's, uh, and, uh, so from working there, like I kind of had my hand in a lot of hip hop stuff. And so after doing two shows that were very big hits and I was, and I would talk to Mona once in a while, she's like, you have to come do love and hip hop with us. And I said, uh, I was like, uh, okay, maybe. And then the owners of that company who I was friendly with, they kind of uh, made a pitch, like, come on, do it with us and then they offered the right amount of money and i was like uh okay i i think it was mutual i wanted to try it to do something different than just an item-based show and uh i did that show uh and uh that show anyway was the number one show on cable uh yeah. not on cable on vh1 at the time and then uh i did season four and that was a huge season. And again, casting was so important. Did you, I don't know if that's a show. You know what, you Love watched, and Hip Hop, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of like the characters, but it wasn't, and it's like a lot of my listeners will recommend watching it, but it seems like it's one of those things like Law and Order where I'm like, oh, it seems like there's 40 seasons. I don't even know where to start, you know? Like, sure. and then there's Love and, there's different variations of Love and Hip Hop, isn't there now? Like there's different, like. Yeah, yeah, there's Love and Hip Hop New York, which is what I did, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, which yeah. I did some of a season of that. There's Hollywood. There's a few different it's like 90 day fiance, but on yeah, <laughs> love and hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, uh, but love and hip hop season four, I had these, uh, this, uh, love triangle that we cast a guy named Peter guns, who was, <laughs> a, who was a rapper for, yeah. you know, still is, but you know, his, his, uh, his heyday of rapping was, you know, in the nineties and, uh, he had a, a a girl he was living with for 13 years uh, and had two kids with and meanwhile while living with her he married uh an artist he was managing and told that artist like oh the thing between me and her it's really i'm just there for the kids and a place to stay so then he married this girl and told the other girl, no, we're just in the studio late working. Like, I think she's going to be a big star where we're doing. <laughs> so he was playing both. Off. Did you know this going in that this yes. was happening? So like, yes. does he, well, but what normal sane person admits like going like, oh, I'm going to let this be on camera that I'm two timing both of these women like and do they inter do you interview these people beforehand and know this like what possesses these people to potentially so, ruin their lives so the, the girls don't know he's been keeping that a secret he knows and he comes in and talks about his situation and there are two things going on one is uh 
aside so he has a lot of kids that he has to pay child support for he's not making the money he gotcha. was okay. he knows his story is ridiculous so he knows that's going to uh <laughs> that's a, a for it's a way of getting income and so also, there's a, a nobleness to it almost well yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, he's in the situation yeah, yeah that's yeah. already but if i'm in this situation Unless at least like I'm going to need to get out of this situation, but I don't have more money and whatever. And so then there's the money aspect. And also that show is a huge hit, uh, especially with people who were fans of his. So now he's relevant again in terms of pop culture relevance. Um, and, and he's the nicest guy, like, like a lot of guys, like you look at these guys and you think they're despicable or whatever, like they definitely have an issue. They have a problem and they, whatever, but that's just one part. Like if you're a gambler, it doesn't mean you're an asshole. If you're, uh, you know, he makes bad choices when it comes to women, he falls in love very easily. And yeah, but but that's, that's 20% of who he is as a person. Exactly. He has 80, he's a, you know, right. He's a really good guy. He's been to my house. We hang out. I love him. I only want to see good for him. He's not a mean spirited person. He just has a problem in this area, just like some people are alcoholics or some people, you know, uh, but super nice guy. Um, and uh, yeah, so that unfolded on that season and it just, the ratings were the highest. Are ever. you on set like during those things? Like, are you, uh, yeah. or, or are you are back because you're, you know, behind the scenes, are you in like some production vehicle or getting the, so you're on set when stuff ha- is happening? Mo- mo- back in most the day. of the time with the biggest things that happen. And also I like to be on set, like on, on, um, like summer house, I'm there every day in the control room, and then I'll I'll go out and talk to the cast, or you know I'm constantly. <laughs> You're in the car going from the city to the summer house. <laughs> yeah. I'm following in the car behind, listening, and you know that's crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm very hands on, but like other shows, like a like a housewives. I can stay in the office more and kind of kind of think about what's going to come next. But when it's an all cast event or when there is a scene where I feel like I think I should be there to support this cast member who's been talking to me for the last three nights about how she feels about this other cast member. And now they're going to do a scene like, OK, I'm going to be there to support both of them and make sure that they're able to articulate what they wanted to say to each other. Um, how often are you pulling people out during like, how do you know when is the right, like, is there set times to do, uh, face-to-face interviews where you're, it's all your, it's all how you feel. Yeah. It's really hard because, uh, but I kind of let the cast try to make it happen. And then, if I feel like they're missing, they're not relating what like, so, so someone will be on the phone with me being like, I feel this way. And she always makes me into the bad guy and all like that. I go, okay, remember this, tell her how you feel in the scene, you know? And then the other person's like, she's ridiculous. I never make her the bad, like she's whatever this and that. Now I won't tell them what each other said. They'll just, you know, talk about it. And then when they're in scene, Sometimes they clam up or they're like, whatever, this isn't working. Or, and that's where I'll come in and be like, look, last night you told me on the phone that 
I need you to just say that and see what she has to say. And then I say to you, please listen to her and then just respond based on what she's telling you. And then as it gets off course, sometimes I'll go back and no, no, remember your point was that while you were there, she said this and did this to you. Now you're talking about three seasons ago. I don't care about that. What, what she said this, that you told me bothered you. Just say that, just relate that as simply as possible so she can hear, understand it, and then respond in kind. But and yeah. so- well, like when Paige like flipped out on Lindsay at the end of Summer House, like it was just like it was like an explosion. I felt like at that dinner table outside. I mean, like, was that like I mean, I guess it was a long time coming, but I think Paige and then Lindsay didn't really defend herself in the right. I mean, is that like something you're talking about of like, you know, you were like like Paige was just kind of railing her, I thought. And then like I was like, Lindsay, like you're you have study footing, like get back, you know, like, is there, are there, are you back there going, come on, come on, come on, like go, 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 go. Or like, what is it when something like energetic happens or even like small things, like when Carl pulled page in two seasons ago to the, the, the cat, the pantry where the cameras couldn't see them. Are you like, hell yeah, because that's visually exciting. We can put the, we can put the thing. Is that, is that what your mind's doing as it happens? So, So, yeah. So I watch these shows. So, so I watch these shows as they unfold in real time and with you can't when it's good. It doesn't matter who you are. Like I love Game of Thrones. I love Deadwood. That's where, you know, yeah. I love whatever. Those are the shows I watch. But when these shows start unfolding in real time while you're watching in a control room or in a uh, the the whole I mean the whole place is like glued to the, to like just, and you're going, yes, yes. <laughs> like high-fiving. Yes, a hundred percent. You get really excited. Cause you know, you know, yeah. Well, also like Paige is talking to other people on camera about something that's bothering her, let's say about Lindsay or they, they pretend to be nice to their favorite. Then they go, plus they're telling you, off camera, like on the phone or like, I just can't take her anymore. And then you're like, well, you should let her know. No, I don't want to. Okay, whatever. And then when you see like it, if she can't take anymore or the straw that, and they start, you go, yes, that's what we're like. We knew you were feeling that way. You're, you're letting it out. This is perfect. And then they come back to you and go, was that too much? Did I? And I go, no, no, it was perfect. You know, whatever they, they, um, but, you know, most people censor themselves in life. Like, yeah. you don't walk around. Even without and, cameras. Even without cameras, I do it all the time. <laughs> yes, you always censor yourself. So to go on a show like this, you have to learn to say how you feel because that's where everything lies. You can't just go through it and play nice all the time. The, at moments, you need to step up and be like, you're not acting appropriately towards me. And most people let shit go in real life. But this is a TV show and you need to say how you feel. But yes, I mean, uh, my nephew uh, kind of uh, was uh, being an assistant for me for a summer job this summer. <laughs> and while we're filming, and he'll never watch reality, but while we're filming this show and then like something blows up and people, he's just glued. Like, like that's why everybody that makes fun of reality shows, it's like, I dare you. You haven't watched one. You haven't watched like you can. And by the way, summer house is the perfect. uh, So I'm, uh, so, you know, 
I'm a weird guy in that I'm a straight dude that loves reality shows. I have a lot of friends that are like actual guys that love real sport, like sports. They right. hate reality shows, but summer house is the show that I can get them into summer house. Is that one? If I can get them in that summer house is usually the show where they'd be like, Oh, I like to get wasted. Oh, I like to hook up with people. And then they're like, Oh, and then they're all of a sudden into it. And it's like a really great, like just starting point for people and for guys in reality. You know, thank you. You know, uh, Boomer and Geo, do you know that radio yeah. show? Yeah, they yeah. had, they talk about summer house all the time. Yeah. And it's a Boomer Esiason, a quarterback for the Jets and also the, the, yeah, yeah. he had the radio show with the other guy that they just had a wild yeah, card. Yeah, on HBO. That's yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So now he does a podcast radio show with this guy, Geo. And Geo's talking about how he watches Summer House. And then he got Boomer to watch it. And Boomer starts talking like, oh, I think Carlin Page. Yes. You know, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's so funny to hear these sports guys. But, yeah, Summer House has. Uh, so when I came on season three of Summer House, oh, you wait, I, that's wait, that's what. How do you uh, how do you get pulled into a show that already exists? Like, how does that happen? Like, why why? I mean, was somebody leaving and you get pulled in? Were you looking for a job? Like, how does that happen when it's already? Are they switching directions and that's why they pull you in? How does that work? Yeah, so there are many ways where it could happen. One, this this these uh, shows work on such. Uh, like so when i'm done with like after i did season three of summer house the cast is like oh will you come back and i'm like i have no idea where i'll be next summer like i'll get this offer that off plus i don't know is summer house coming back are they gonna do another like i can't sit and go okay i'm gonna wait for summer house in june to start up again i just live my life and do another show and move on or whatever my projects are and if i'm available i'm available if not not and even if i'm available i might be like I don't want to do it again. I didn't enjoy that experience or so there are many different things. So that's just on the showrunner side to get the same showrunner is not always easy. They might be busy. Then on the network side or the production company side, maybe they don't like the showrunner. Maybe they didn't feel the show was good that season, you know? So, uh, maybe the cast and the showrunner are not getting a lot. Like there are many things yeah. that, that can come in. So it's not just one thing. It's not like the, Oh, the last showrunner was horrible. And it's not that uh, the last showrunner wasn't available or the last, they could be one of a million things, you know, that showrunner's mother got cancer and had to go home and didn't, couldn't do, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it could be a million things. Uh, Summer house. I think there was a, a decision between the production company, the cast and the showrunner to go their separate ways for whatever that reason was. And because um, the tone shifted from that yes. season on, like, and so, that's when it, it became really uh, no, no offense to the first, I watched the first, but it became really watchable, you know? So that's what I heard from a lot of people. Uh, like uh, season three was the best. Like at that time there was one, two and three season three was the best. It really got its groove. It really got it. You know, so that's whatever. interesting. It's almost by design that it had to get its groove because they actually said like, we're going to switch courses. It's not just like, wow, the cast really gelled this season. It's no, there was a design to actually make this difference and go a different way. So that show summer house was on the bubble after season one, they were oh, like, uh, okay. tell people what on the bubble means just for people that don't uh, know. Okay. 
Okay, so it's a show that didn't necessarily rate well enough to come back, but didn't rate horribly enough to be canceled, or they didn't like how it felt, or they didn't like the show, but they feel the concept's still good. They like some of the cast, but not all of the cast. Like, like so on the bubble just means, should we pick it up again, or should we not? We don't know. And the network struggles with that too. Should we give it another shot? Should we? And uh, actually a lot of people uh, higher up at Bravo, I think didn't want to give Summer House another shot after season two. There was a lot of, um, well, I'm not sure if it's working or if it's good, but a lot of uh, the people who work there that were millennials were really into the idea and said, give it a, we really believe in this show, it's gonna do. And uh, to the credit of the people higher up, they listened to their other people working there and gave it another shot. And that was season three. And they made some casting changes and yeah. uh, they made, you know, um, some changes like me and I brought my own team in and, uh, and then it seemed to work out, but I'll say something about season three that, um, what we were just talking about, you said, do you watch in the control room? Yeah. In season three, when, when Kyle went and told Amanda that there's this rumor about cheating <laughs> yeah, on her. I didn't mean to and, laugh. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. huge fight that ensued. Yeah. I'm in the control room and the, where we were, there's another place where a lot of the other uh, producers and PAs and the, the rest of the crew hang out. They don't all hang out. It's like in the control room is me, my co-EP and then a, a director and a couple of people. But then there's a place where my APs and all that can watch and take notes and all uh, that's also kind of a way and that they don't interact with the cast. It's like, so where they were, it's still like uh, sort of a hidden area of the house that they just, it's closed off for them. And while I'm watching this and everyone in the control room, I took pictures on my phone of oh. everyone like, like this, oh, like in the that's control awesome. room. And while things are going, I start hearing, oh, like that. Like, like a, it sounded like a people were watching a football game somewhere. Yeah. And I hear that. I'm like, what? What is going on? Uh, maybe it's my imagination. And then I hear again, like, you know, Amanda says something like, and you just hear, oh. And I'm like, wait a second. What is that? And my director is like, I think that's the rest of the crew. <laughs> And I go running down to where they are because it's kind of next or it's very yeah. quick to get to. And I look and they're all just 20 people just watching the, the <laughs> monitors and, and reacting to what's oh. going on. And these are people who probably don't watch this show. Yeah. You know, a bunch of gruff guys, some girl, like just but everyone when you have those moments and there you're just like oh this is gonna be amazing television you know that's awesome well okay so uh i know i got you for like 20 more minutes so i i got a uh, a couple things so when did you start uh so are you, when did you start pitching your own shows when did you start going like was it was it immediate after love and hip-hop and and you have like 30 projects going at one time how many I mean, are you like the Scooter Braun of reality shows where you're, oh, you have geez. your hands in like, well, uh, a nicer Scooter Braun, but like, don't take, like Taylor, don't take Taylor Swift's work. But um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have like 80 projects going at once? Uh, and is, 
a, a part of uh, being in reality, uh, like acting, where it's like you hear no all the time? Are there ideas that you're just like, I'm hearing no on this all the time. I'll keep this in my back pocket, you know? Um, so it's like acting or anything else, anything in that creative endeavor. There's only so many projects that can get made and only so many. And uh, you hear no, you're bad. So in baseball, if you hit three times out yeah. of 10 times at bat you're you're doing good average. Great. you're a major yeah. leaguer you're you know batting 300 or whatever that is and uh uh that's amazing career uh, it's it's the same thing in tv like i come up with ideas all the time i pitch ideas all the time one out of every 10 gets done maybe and that's fine in terms of when i'm show running a show i'm there like i'm the boots on the ground for that show i'm the creative vision of that show for that season it's really hard to uh be working on i can't you know i'll have shows overlap where for a week or two like okay i'll start pre-pro here but i'm finishing up there but it's very hard to do more than one project as a showrunner in terms of pitching i'm constantly pitching i'm constantly developing ideas and constantly and then uh every once in a while one gets picked up and great and then i gotta decide am i gonna show run it or not or will i let someone else but you know and when will that happen but it's uh lately uh i've been on a much better tear than but i will always have work like i can always show run yeah. the show like I, I get four or five offers. I'll take a show that I like the best of those and do that. It's sort of like the day job in a way. I love it, but it's still like I want to make movies and I want to. That's what I was like. Is that still in the, and, you know, yeah, like. Yeah. I'm going to make a movie this summer. I decided I have a script that I'm almost done with. I love it. You know, I, uh, I'm, you know, you have to keep pushing forward. I am the laziest person in the world, so I can get. Well, very- this gives me this gives me huge hope. Like this gives me <laughs> huge hope. Like, so, I mean, so, um, okay, so always something in production. You'll pick the 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 best thing. Uh, how does your mind work in terms of? Uh, finding ideas that you're like, that could be a reality show. I mean, or do you just read? Do you just open your eyes every day? Like, what is it that, that, that mean? what sticks out to you in your head? Like, what is it? What, what do you, does it like four I don't things? Know. Same with stand up or any type of writing inspiration hits when it hits, like you can't force inspiration to hit, but like, um, like you were saying, like Family Karma, I loved uh, Family Karma. I did not pitch. That was a show someone else, like uh, the company developed that show. And then I went in and pitched my vision of it. And then they let me do it. And so that, um, that why did I bring that up? Oh, you had talked before about like finding different cultures and different. Yeah. And um, there's a great show on Netflix called Deaf You. Have you watched it? I did. Awesome. And they're only guys, I talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, only like they're 15 minute episodes. You'll watch all of them in one night. You will not, you'll watch it all at once. It's perfect. But it was such a brilliant idea and it's so well done. Very subtle. It's not over the top. It's they're very, real. They're real. Yes. And I like it. And, uh, but it's such a great idea of another world you never thought about, even knew existed. I had no idea there were colleges just for deaf people. And then watching them interact, they're just like any other college kids, but they're deaf. So there's that 
them signing and some will never speak out loud. And so, and, and just learning about that culture, I, I found that show to be very. Or the one girl that judges other people because they, they don't use sign enough, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like just immersing in that culture. So then I watch that show and I say to myself, what's in, what's where's another culture that I can like dive into that I think, and I think I've come up with something really good because I was talking to a friend of mine uh, at another uh, streaming service who, and he's a good friend of mine. I love him. And um, he uh, was saying, what is our deaf you? Like, how do, how does my streaming service that I work for, what is our version yeah. of that? Please, Ian, if you come up with anything, let me know. I'd love to hear what you think. And I said, okay, so I think I came up with something, which I'll talk to him later, but I don't want to say yeah. it now. But, Please feel but, free to say it here right now. And, and let's see, uh, let's get this I, going. I just felt like, um, whatever, that inspired an idea by him. And sometimes I can't think of anything, but because he said that, and then he said, watch Deaf You, and I did. And then I was like, oh. I think I have an idea and it's not like simple, like, Oh, a blind college or something. Like it's a a whole other world that I think would be interesting, but I don't know. They'll probably pass as most people. But is it fun? Is it fun for you learning about that, that, uh, whatever culture you're, you're showing? I I love, Oh, of course. Even family karma. I didn't know. Yeah. About Hinduism and uh, I was I was looking at their Instagram. Uh, you know, I follow them on Instagram and looking yeah, at their the parties Diwali. they're throwing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's it. I was, um, okay, so uh, I, I kind of want to wrap up is like uh, the quarantine of it all, the coronavirus of it all. The oh uh, yeah, you know, we're, yeah, yeah, we're we're you know the thing we're still in. Um, first off, do you agree that we're in the golden age of reality TV, or do you think it's already passed? I've never thought about that. Um, I, 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 uh, I kind of, I don't know. I got to see how things unfold. Like I would say we're probably past until some other amazing kind of idea of how to unfold reality comes out, which I don't know what that would be. If I had that idea, I'd be the richest man in the world right now. But like, I think re during the heyday of cable is, I mean, reality was free money for these cable companies because uh, there was no other place to go. No streamers. Everyone would watch TV before DVR. They'd have appointment television people. You could make a reality show for a penny yeah. on a dollar from scripted, but still get a huge amount of viewers and then get advertisers because you have that many people watching. And just right now, the way with YouTube and all like that, content is still needed, but but the- So segmented everything now. Yeah, it's all over the place. And, you know, I, I still feel like Netflix is trying to get their reality shows going and they have some, they have ones that have hit, like Nailed It. Or, or Love is Blind was like a set Love for a second. Blind. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, and uh, Cheer. The, the Circle. So they have theirs, but, uh, but it's still like, I wonder, will the Bravo box, the Bravo box of reality, this sort of dramatic, tongue in cheek, funny, wink at the camera, will that version of reality? 
continue to be because Bravo, like their highest rated show is getting what, three, four million viewers on Netflix. That's not really a renewal. You no. know what I mean? No, yeah. I mean, Netflix, it really like Netflix will take really popular shows and just not pick them up for the second season. Like it has to really, really hit like so many things for Netflix where Bravo, but that's what I always get scared of. I'm like, Bravo, like uh, I just get scared. So I, I talk about this all the time is that like, I just hope they continue to grow and pivot and things like that because you know, we all know the tricks. Like that's why something like Beverly Hills, when you do Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo really breathes so much life, but you need things like family karma. You need them to try, like try and fail. You need the camp getaways. You need all of this stuff because you can't just keep relying on housewives or like, you'll see what Vanderpump rules. You see what happened this past year. They're not even filming yet. Like because of all this craziness, you gotta like survive or Netflix or one of these other streamers are going to completely wipe you off the map, you know? Yeah, and then will that would even if Netflix got Housewives, would they keep it? Oh, no, it wouldn't be enough. Watch Housewives for it to to be, and then but the 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 ultimate problem Bravo has in my mind. I can't believe I've been very open on this uh, thing. Oh, but, thank you, but thank you, but I'll the, cut the, anything the, out you don't want. I mean, I I, I know, but the biggest problem. And they know it. They know it. Linear television is dying. It, it's not going to be around much longer. But Bravo is owned by a cable company now. And that cable company, their life, like, th that's NBC, what they yeah. do. They yeah. do linear, linear television. Story, yeah. You know, uh, what is it? Comcast owns them? Like, yeah. Like, they to tell a cable company cable is dying you need to figure out some other way of doing content it's like no we are cable what do you mean we're dying where we we just yeah. bought but it's a, but it's adapt or die it's like it's like when napster came along like these things yes. like we have whole industries that have been swallowed because nobody really adapted when they were told to adapt and that's you know with like netflix it's like yeah i don't think they would keep housewives but they would be damn smart if they like paid for the library you know if you could get sit there and watch like 10 seasons of housewives without having to watch commercials like on the app well it'd be insane you know well comcast is in gonna sell it to Netflix no because that's their library yeah peacock and they're <laughs> gonna put it on and no one's gonna have peacock maybe and maybe no one's gonna you know what i mean it's it's really uh, we're in the middle of a whole reshaping of an industry will tv go away no like there'll be content and people love content and it'll but who's gonna win where's it gonna go and right now netflix is beating the shit out of everybody 200 million subscribers but how do you not it's there it's, it's there it's easy it's families oh, it's, like everybody uh, um okay so but okay quarantine though we watched summer house it was one of the only things that we all like a lot of us agreed on that like made kind of quarantine a little better and then all of a sudden it's fucking ending and we're like you quarantine them in a house together they, they, they all got to get into a house together now what do you guys do behind the scenes are you like i mean you, you got to freak out about a pandemic but then when do you start going like hey we gotta use this or find a way to film and i know family karma season two i had read an article that somebody tested positive and production had to potentially stop i don't know if that was true um but like how do you adapt to these things and i know you did i talked to hannah you guys did shoot you have a season in the camp right yes it is being edited right now is and, it good uh, is it good is it good 
Uh, yes, I, I, <laughs> I think, uh, let me say this. Um, while we were shooting, I was yeah. like, this is amazing. Like, because now they're all stuck together, kind of, you know? So it creates a lot more, you know, when you're so, like, you've been stuck, like, if you're stuck at home with your family, like, oh boy, I can't take my kid anymore, or my wife, or my mother, or my whatever. Like, so just being stuck together definitely created a lot more drama. Uh, you know, um, it's disappointing that. You know, you can't have big parties with the satellite. Yeah, you can't have uh, everybody that comes into the summer house, uh, you I know, mean, backyard we parties. We had some of the best parties. I mean, literally, we had real parties that looked like Hollywood parties yeah you know like project you had people in costumes you had people just running through where it'd be like who's the guy in the bunny suit yes and 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 goats and and slip and slides and you know just crazy those parties are amazing you can't do that with covid so uh, you know i'm i'm always worried it's going to be a different season because some of those things that we were able to do before COVID, we don't have, but there is a lot of drama going on because people are stuck together. So I I don't- So is it more personal then? Is it more like we really get into there because that's what we have to watch is that the- their real interactions and not the, well, now we drive back to New York and start our week, you know? Right. Yeah. It's definitely more personal. And there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of drama, but we also have a lot of good times. Like I can think in my head of like parties that we had just for the the cast that were so much fun and where there's a lot of, a lot of fun and there's some good comedy too. I, I, I believe it's going to be a good season. It's going to, it's just going to be, it's going to feel a little different. Yeah. But the world feels a little different. So I think it would be dumb not to acknowledge that as long as I just didn't want like an OC, they're about to hit quarantine and they're going to have the, we can't find toilet paper. And like, it's like the shock of that. And I don't know if I want to relive that first part of quarantine, like that I think we're about to see on OC, but like, I love the thought of summer house of them being quarantined together, of them being trapped together. And especially because we saw Carl has made like a really brave decision about like, I think he had stopped drinking and uh, who's that uh, I'm blanking on the new girl's name that you guys casted that put her hand on Carl's knee at the end of last season. Uh, uh, the, the, the girl, the Jules? summer house. Jules. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was blanking on her name. No Jules, is, Jules, is Jules back? I can either okay. confirm or deny. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, but wait, did you know Jules was going to put her, uh, a hand on Carl's leg in that one scene? Like, did you, like, she really like pivoted in a really great way towards the end of the season that she did that. Like, it was like, well, Oh my let, God. Let me say this, that, um, that, um, that pivot. We talked earlier about people getting how to do reality TV and showing up <laughs> on, on set and being uncomfortable or what do I do? Uh, if you watch Jules over last season, you can see when she first came, she had a harder time adapting to what to do with cameras around. But by the middle of that season, she really got more. Yeah, you saw that. The cameras yes. and she got like, OK, I'm I'm involved here. I'm immersed here, I'm, you know, and uh she did a lot better moving through that second part of that season. And, Extremely uh, good. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it, it was, it was almost like a, a sport where I was like, 
oh, wow, she's brilliant. She's literally inserting herself into a potential story. Like, I mean, not in a, but it didn't come off. It didn't read completely fake. It was just like a nice, it was just funny to me. Like it made me laugh. And I was like, wow, she's smarter than I thought she, I don't know. It was just interesting. Um, uh, so, but, but basically we don't have to worry as audience members, content is still being produced. We are still going to see some of our favorite characters out there. Well, if these things worry you, then yes, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, if you, if you're yeah, see, and I'm a loser. Yes, I have totally. I get to see Summer House this year. Wait, uh, wait, but you don't understand. There are people like that. Like we are, we do exist. Sure, that this sure. actually I'm just teasing. I'm no, just I don't know. But uh, look, I think it's a good season. It carries on from last season. There are a lot of ups and downs. I, I, I I'm pretty happy with how this season came out and. In terms of COVID, um, we have COVID protocols. Everyone got tested uh, every week. And uh, when deliveries would come, the cast had to wear a mask if, if they ordered food and it would come. Like there, we were not lenient about any of those things like yeah. COVID. So you will see hints of it, but it's not uh, the story. We don't. COVID is not a big story. It's just a texture that happens here and there. Where like yeah, it's like a to, given circumstance. Like it's right. what these it, when they go to the store, they put a mask on, and you know when someone comes to the door to deliver, they put a mask on. You know they're they're very um, so you'll see it, but it's not really. It's just circumstance of what they do, but it's not within the story. Do you have hour long conversations with your partners about like, how, how do we deal with this? Is it like, and then you guys all have to vote on like one direction to go of like, let's do this. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I, I make my suggestions of what I feel is the best way to approach. Uh, I can't have my cast not wearing a mask with someone that is not been, is not part of our of bubble. Course, yeah. So yeah. if a pizza g- guy comes with a pizza, you can't just open the door like you're taking a risk of shutting down the whole production. So, of course, you have to wear a mask. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. When, when, uh, when people come to visit the house like this, for, like Hannah's parents want to drop something off, they need to get tested before so that we make a plan. So it's less... Um, it's less like, oh, Hannah's mom wants to come today. Okay, no problem. We'll be in the house anyway. Let her come. And then she comes. Like yeah. Now it's like, the you want to come? Okay, three days before you <laughs> yeah, need yeah. to take a test. And then you can't yeah. see anybody. And you can't, you know. And then we'll do a rapid test when you show. So the, you have to orchestrate it much more. Don't worry about time. I have more time. Okay, I think it might cut us off. So I don't know uh, this. I just got a Zoom account for this interview. So I don't know if it lets me, <laughs> if it kicks me out. Um, but let me, how do uh, uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Um, uh, okay, it's 1029. It's going to kick out. Sorry. Um, do you know how to like extend time on a meeting? <laughs> Sorry. I'm not Teach sure. Teach me how to use Zoom now. If uh, if this kicks me out at 1030, um, I'll uh, I'll send you another. I don't think it will if you, okay. have, uh, if you have an account. Okay, cool. Uh, but uh, we'll, yeah. we shall see. Yeah, I'll cut this um, part out. But yeah, so it's just more orchestrated in in every. Yeah, you just have to be much more stick to your schedule in a much bit in a much more 
specific way. Whereas like, we'll be like, okay, we're going to the beach today. We should, we're going to leave at 10, you know, whatever. And then, uh, and then like they're slow in getting ready. And then we leave at 11 and sure. That's always a problem for lunch for the crew or something. Okay. Whatever it is, I kind of let it be what it's going to be. And it just is better that way. And you don't get agita. But with COVID, if you're leaving at 10, you have to leave at 10. And if you're coming back by four, you have to come back. Like there's none of this, like we have this permit for this long and we have to get like, everybody's much stricter about, you said you would be here now until then. Like uh, if we go out to eat, I'm not going to a packed restaurant like we used to. Now it's like we have our own section outside. Nobody's around. But that restaurant is holding that for us. And if I come late, it's not like, don't worry about it, whatever. Like they're keeping a whole area clear for us. That's a lot of lost revenue for them. So if I say I'm going to be there at seven and leave at nine, I'm going to be there at seven, leave at nine, or that restaurant will never have us back. Or, you know, yeah. so everything becomes much more vital that you stick to a schedule. So then you're, pushing your cast to <laughs> to be more on time and yeah. more regimented and more which i don't love overall but it doesn't really affect story yeah it, you know but so you just have to be a little more structured um uh, i guess one of the final questions or the the final is is i just had this thought of ca casting in between seasons what makes a producer or something um, decide to either let cast members go or add new cast members? Do you look at the season as a whole and go, these are some of the things that I wish I had seen that I don't, and we need to add people so I can get that? Like what, what are, what goes in a producer's mind with stuff like that? Okay. So, so let me go. So as a showrunner, I'm not guaranteed that I'm coming back. Maybe they don't like yeah, me they, anymore. You, maybe I did a bad job. Maybe I don't want to come back. Maybe I hate them. Maybe I get a different show. So what ends up happening with Summer House, so I have a good relationship with Bravo. They're awesome, by the way. Everyone is it a daily liaison? Do you have to like, do they, are they watching dailies or is it just, they trust you guys to make the show and then you give it to them? They trust us to make it, then they give notes on the cuts. But at, at once a week, we have a phone call where I go, this happened this past <laughs> week. This is what I'm looking forward to this week. We're doing this thing. And I feel like, you know, Paige is getting to the point where she's had enough with Lindsay. I kind of think she might. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you kind of give them what you think is going to happen coming up and what has already happened and based on what happened and what was good and what, you know. So you, you have those calls. You make the show uh it's a collaboration i'm telling you uh josh and noah they're the best execs at, uh, that i love working with over at Brown. they're so good and so great and uh, uh there are so many execs i do love jen levy and gabby at uh, netflix are amazing like there are certain people you just love working with they're super smart have great ideas what happens is is at the end the network really decides if they want people back or not, that's not my decision. Oh, that's wow. How, okay. I didn't how know. I can advocate. Like, I think you're making a mistake. We really need, you know, Carl back. I think he's a centerpiece. Like, yeah, I yeah. can give my opinion and they listen. They don't just go, no, no, we want him gone. Like, 
they collaborate with the people, the production company has their input, but uh, they will ask me even off season. I might not even be coming back this summer. Let's say, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. but still as things unfold, they'll give me a call and be like, what do you think about, even though I'm not, they'll still ask like, what are your thoughts? I don't think we're bringing this person or we want to do this or that. And I'll always give my thought when COVID hit, Summer House wasn't even greenlit yet again because it takes it's a process till it gets greenlit. It was still airing, but still, once COVID was in its throes, I got calls from the production company as well as the network. Like, what would you do if we if we did the show again? How would you do it during COVID? What's your idea? Just to ask, and we're all friendly, so I'll give my ideas. Like, I believe we can do it like this, and this is what I would try to do with it, and. And sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't, but we have a real discussion. Then when they say we're replacing this person or that, I go, okay, and I'll give my opinion. And then they'll be like, all right, between these two people, should we replace that person? Or do you think we should cast this person? You know, yeah. if they're looking for casting, you, we start talking about like, what do you think the house needs? Oh, I think there needs to be another single guy because there are so many single girls, or I think we need another single girl, or you know what, maybe, uh, you know, this, this type of personality or that type of, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into, but with Summer House, the thing that makes it so great is there's very little uh, casting that like, that's a group of friends, like, like the original cast of Summer House was a group of friends. And when they brought in three other people, when, when the Workuses and, and McGee left and they brought in three other people, yeah. those people had connection to our cast. They weren't just like, yeah, it's got to have that DNA, like, you like, know, these are people who go to the Hamptons on the summer. They spend time there, they, whatever, and they know our cast and they've spent time with our cast. So it's not like, it can't be like, well, this guy likes to drink. So he'll fit in with these guys exactly. that they like to drink. Yeah. So, um, and then, so every, even this season, you know, if you have someone new coming, it's someone like every, connected yeah yeah like so it's not just like let's get a casting company and let's cast this show you know but there are always discussions like that but in the end the dna of uh, summer house and what makes it so great and so authentic is that these are people who really know each other who really would spend time in the hamptons with each other who really it's the only up. way it works it's the really the only way like you mean like i keep saying vanderpump but they really like they try to cast some new people and it just didn't even have dna with except that they work kind of at the restaurant but it just didn't make any sense so it became so disjointed that it was like wait what are we watching here like they started off as all friends and like and also the shelf life of that show is like yeah bartenders aren't supposed to be friends for the rest of their lives i had bartending jobs that i, I don't talk to the guys from 20 years ago you know um yes. so uh like somebody on like luke though how many like once you decide on let's give this let's give this group of people a shot is it like do you do like 10 hours of interviews 20 hours of interviews how much material do you get on these guys in terms of their lives before you walk into set you're saying before we start shooting. Yeah, like say you how, cast, you know, like how like how many interviews are you doing with a normal person of like, hey, where did you grow up? What's your dad like? What's your mom like? Like, So what happens is, is uh, the network here, like we'll hear what they have to say for 
the first kind of round or something, uh, the production company first, because that's who's paid to make that happen. Then the, then they uh, go to the network and the network talks to them and sees if they find them to be a good and additive, you know, uh, person, uh, cast member on the show. Uh, and then, uh, and then when, if I'm doing the show, then me and my team, like, then I'll talk to the person a couple of times and just get into like who they are, what they're about. And then I'll assign a producer to that person. They'll talk to them. And meanwhile, while I write the Bible for the season, I'll ask them all these things. I, you know, do you like sports? Do you like the, it's anything from the mundane to do you have a type? Do you have a this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what, what's your family like? What are your struggles like? What do you think, you know? And then, uh, but really until you start shooting, you, you have very little there. Most people don't tell you everything, you know, they want to project something, especially to be on TV. So now they're projecting something and then eventually they're like, Oh, I see. I really have to give you. Well, that's what, I mean, I think I like the camera by some weird alchemy is able to pick up usually the, the real person, like the, the, you can usually see the thoughts behind somebody's eyes. And that's why, you know, even in reality, people are like, I got a bad edit. It's like, you, you know, you probably didn't get the edit you wanted, but that is you. I mean, I hate like, it's not, you can't make somebody, you can, you can edit storylines to a way, but it's still like, the camera picks it up. We we pick well, it up. The audience. What 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 is that saying? Action speaks louder than words. So yes. people, you capture them on camera doing what how they are. That they're speaking to you through what they do. So even when they go, they got a bad edit. You're like, did you not do that? Did we? Did we somehow <laughs> graphic affects you? Yes. you that saying that? that is who you were in that moment because we caught it on camera. And um, that's, that's what that's that is. genius. I mean, I, I just like, um, okay, so final, uh, uh, one of the biggest moments in reality show history for me, I remember watching like 15 years ago now or something like the Aviva Dresser from Real Housewives in New York threw her leg, her prosthetic leg on a Bravo show. And I always like think about like what it would be like for the crew that day of just like going home and going like, hey, honey, I don't know, man, some girl threw her leg and I had to film it. And like, it was like, it, you know, you talked about that one fight that was happening uh in summer house that was everybody but has there been a moment in your entire uh career so far which you're still like insanely young it seems like that you're like holy i cannot like i'm still to this day mouth agape uh do you mean that like so there are different levels of that um you know, real like you said, do you have to? When we were talking about love and hip hop, you said, did you, did you, were you on set for? So when when the woman of thirteen years living with Peter Guns came face to face with the, the girl, girl? He married yeah. and finds out that she married him, and uh. they're in a restaurant talking to each other, and and this this comes out, uh, you feel. 
horrible. It's yeah, do you fun. are you is your I'm stomach and knots going oh, into yes. that scene, knowing oh, yes. like knowing what Peter's and, about to go through, knowing and, what is oh, about to unfold? And, and well, less about Peter because he put himself in that. <laughs> but, but the girl of 13 years, uh, her name was Tara, is Tara. She's such a darling person, and and Amina, the other girl, you know, didn't do anything purposefully, didn't know he was, you know what I mean? Yeah. See the they the realization of what's going on and the hurt you know has uh, have you ever been in a relationship where someone cheated on you or where somebody did the wrong thing to you and whatever that moment of realization you wouldn't really want cameras there but that's what makes that scene ridiculous same with summer house there's this like uh pain and and anguish you feel for them because you uh, like you go to like them they're my cast i love them i don't want them to go through it and I don't want them to feel betrayed by me. I mean, I didn't do this. I didn't do it to them. Someone else did, but, but I, you know, I, I they, believe me right away. You hear Ian, where's he, you know, whatever, like this is bullshit, you know, whatever. But it's like, uh, it's very uncomfortable. You want to crawl in a shell and hide. That's very uncomfortable. Um, I did a show called Alaskan Bush People. Yeah, yeah. It's a very big show on uh, on Discovery. And uh, my first week there, I came face to face with a grizzly bear. And that was another like, holy shit moment. <laughs> like I could have died type of thing. Yeah. Like it was like uh, really ridiculous. So So it's like things like that are also like, what am I doing? Like I'm out in the middle of Alaska. How did I get, I started in stand-up comedy. How did I get here? Yeah. A New York Jew in the middle of Alaska. Like just what the fuck is going oh, on? God. And, uh, but, uh, oh yeah. I mean, there are so, so many. you can still be shocked to this day. You're still having those moments. You're, you're not so, uh, jaded and all that stuff by the industry where you're like, you know, I see this all the time. You know, you can still be shocked. <laughs> I see it all the time, but I'm, I'm, I would say this, it's less shock and more, um, I feel to be effective at my job, I need to have empathy for everybody, everybody. Like even the, the what you consider the villain on a show or you consider the good person, on, you need empathy for all those people. They all have a point of view. They all just want to be loved. They all are trying their best to do their best. And when you see uh, bad behavior biting them in the ass, it's, it's, it's really... I feel horrible for them. And again, it's the choices they made, but I have empathy for them. They're, and, and like, they're, they're all, they're all just people trying and we're all just people trying. So, uh, you and that's know. what we need these shows to be. I mean, we need to see people trying. That's why I think these, and that's why you said, that's why it is important that these shows continue. Like these shows are important too. like, you know, it's like, that is something that I'm like, I do, I, I guess I, it's not, you know, it's not like oxygen, but at the same time, you're like, it does, uh, for some reason, make me feel better about my own life, you know? But also to see people making mistakes, it's everybody makes mistakes. Like I have kids and I know I, I try to be the perfect dad. That's like everybody tries, you know, but I know I made my mistakes and what am I going to do? I'm human. So all these people are human and I feel bad when that, uh, human part of them bites them in the ass 
as yeah. opposed to uh, helping them get. I feel yeah. bad for them. Yeah. I, I want them to have a good. Ugh. And and I genuinely, genuinely, really, most of my cast, most everybody, I genuinely love them, and I want to see good for them, and I wanna, I want them to have a great experience. I want them to get everything they want. So. You know, I I just uh, so those uncomfortable situations. It's hard for me too, but we are making a show, and they signed up for a show, and they know that this stuff comes out no matter how much they try to hide it. Someone has, someone's going to bring it up. You know, like poor Denise Richards. Somebody's going to bring up some bullshit she did. She really, I, but I really don't think she knew what she was in for. Like I really don't think she. I you could literally see it last season where she was like. Wait, you're you're bringing up stuff like this girl's not even on the show. Like what? Yes, I, yes. I mean, you could literally see like I thought. I mean, I'm cool with saying I'm married. Used to marry Charlie Sheen, but I didn't know we were gonna like do things that could literally get me in trouble. Like you know, right? Yeah. So those are the things. Like when, like if I were doing Beverly Hills, I my heart would go. Like I just feel hard. Well, you saw that for... one producer. That, I don't know if you saw that scene in the the cut footage. He comes in like Denise like tries to stop the scene. Right. Called like I'm not like, and she he comes in. He's like Denise you came late. You got to do this. Do it now. Like he like got forceful with her and yeah. walked away. And I was like, damn, but it was fascinating. That's never my approach. No, it doesn't even seem, but it, that so doesn't even know. seem like that's in you, you know, yeah. but, but it seems like, but it, it showed probably what a contentious season it was for the Beverly Hills people that it must, cause it, you sense his frustration as well as everybody's frustration. And I'm like, Oh, this is obviously something that keeps happening. Cause that's why that guy's so frustrated, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, what uh, me working in scripted helped me because in scripted, your talent is everything. Like you are just, your cast members are treated very well, like gold. You treat them well. You try to make them comfortable so they can do their best work. And I think when I took that and transferred it to reality, it really helped me. And that's why uh, in, in my shows, my shows have a certain feel to them, I think that that comes from that and other people have the way they do it and that they get their feel you know but everyone has their thing but that that empathy to me it's it's just what runs that's the ingredient the yeah i i do it empathy and patience also for your producers because running producers is also a big you know yeah. <laughs> How much lover boy have you been forced to drink over the years? Well, I don't drink, but uh, <laughs> I have tried lover boy uh, for them. I, I, uh, uh, there, I, and it's doing very well. It's doing, I mean, hey, I got, I got a case of it and uh, I did a taste test on the show. So it's, uh, and did you like it? I loved one of them. One of them was a little bit too cayenne peppery and uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, the can's beautiful, it, you know, it's great. And then uh, what, how, when they're uh, the last, I don't well, get wait, how these let guys. Me say this. Yeah. When I was talking to Carl, I, I talked to, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago, a week, two ago. So uh, they all call, you know, like, and I was talking to Carl and he told me that it's funny. He did like a lover boy, like uh they they went to Boston. They went to all these places, you know, kind of like Promote, right? and yeah. yeah, like come try Lover Boy. And he said half the people never even heard of Summer House that came. Like they just like yeah, Lover. like they're like that drink is taking on its own life. 
uh, separate from the show, which is amazing to me. Uh, but good for them. But yeah. go on, you were going to. No, it's, the, I don't get how they. The only thing that really upsets me about Summer House is when they get drunk, they get wasted all night, and then they wake up for like an eight thirty exercise class. Like that's like it upsets me as somebody that like still does drink. Like it's just just not possible. Like it's just not like how are they going? They like going to like Soul Cycle classes, and Carl's hitting on like gym instructors. Like I don't see how you can do that. Like I need to see these people getting hurt by like hangovers. Well. Uh... So two things. One is some do it better than others. Like, I mean, definitely some of them get really hurt, like drinking a lot. And you can tell even in the morning, they'll still wake up to work out, but they're hurting. (laughs) And I believe you can see it. And they'll tell me, I don't want to call anyone out, but a couple of them are like, I can't do this. It's killing me, you know? (laughs) Um, But don't forget like, uh, Part of their job, uh, unfortunately, we are a, a visual uh, society, and part of their job is to look good. That's that's part yeah. of their job. Part yeah. of their job, like if Luke had a beer belly and uh, and uh, whatever, <laughs> like he would not be. They wouldn't even think about Cass. Like you know what that's I mean? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So it's their job to stay in shape. It's their job. So when they drink too much and get up in the morning they it's their job they know they have to keep doing keep being in shape i love uh, that and that's why that. i'm not in front of the camera <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh well ian gelfand you gave us so much time this, i mean you can tell i'm just such a huge nerd for this stuff and this was just this was like christmas came early so thank you so so much um how i mean I don't even, how can we support you? Like, how do we, how do we find out? I mean, is there. Just send me money. I guess. Yeah, okay. So we send a money to you guys. There's a GoFundMe for Ian's bitching summer next year. And, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, how do we, like, if you do a movie or something, how do we find out? How do we, like when your movie does come out, you got. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Well, oh, so I do have Instagram. It's private, but. Um, oh, okay. I was thinking of making it public. Cause uh Whatever I can get the blue check mark if I make it public. I know, God, I, bet I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. I don't want to make it public because I don't know. It's so I don't post a lot. It's so self-important. And oh yeah, I mean, I just do like stupid uh, Bravo memes and stuff like that. So it's like, but it's, what's your what's well? Mine is Ian Gelfand. That's yeah. my my. I guess what what do you call it? Handle whatever handle. Yeah, on, yeah. On on Instagram and. Uh, but I, you know, I maybe uh, maybe when I make the movie or whatever, I'll come back and we'll. Please, we'll, man. We'll, Any, I, I mean, if you, I God, this was just a gift to me, though. So, Ian, thank you so 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 much. We really appreciate it. If sure, of course. And if there's no COVID next summer, if like things are and you're in New York, maybe I can get you to one of those summer house parties. We can. You're just about to hear me cry now, Ian. You're just, I mean, now I'm praying for COVID to go away. I could be a, in a unicorn outfit that just runs around, you know? Sure. How, whatever you want. But, uh, I've invited people to those parties. They love them. I, you, I hate to say it, but you know, that actually is on my bucket list. So oh, a summer <laughs> house you. party. Yes. Yeah. To be at the summer house at some point, like even I could be an Amazon delivery guy that just puts the packages. Cause you guys get some good package shots. And yes. I'm always like, I always get like scared. Like who's going to pick up the packages during the week when they get delivered to the summer house. <laughs> 
the summer house i in my theory is the character it's just these people come in but the summer house <laughs> is like a living entity so um, uh, who, who have you had on your podcast i just had hannah i think i'm gonna have well like the, now bravo has such insane rules and stuff like that but like hannah came on uh I what almost, are the rules what do you mean insane rules? well you have to go through like their P, like pr now bravo right. pr like really locked down uh after this summer and and oh, with all like every the explosion of black lives matter and like i like had all of the cast of vanderpump rules and then the, they like got they couldn't do anything and they're finally kind of being able to start doing little things here and there but they can't talk about the show like there's all these these things and and uh but yeah bravo it's it just what did you talk to hannah about uh i mean i talked to her because it was it was before you guys even went back for the uh the the new season because so of course i tried to pressure her into like telling me when it comes back blah 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 uh i talked about the luke relationship a lot uh right. I, you know joked about his rings and his guitar playing but also i just wanted to know like how do you get from this point and she did like you know like how she started learning like the mechanics of comedy or what was working like she was hired by that website and that twitter and she learned like okay women like these kind of jokes and like you know she seemed very strategic in what she was trying to do. And I thought that was like really fascinating. So it was like, she came into Summer House kind of with this history behind her where, you know, she she had this kind of comedic mind that I thought was really interesting. And it was like a, a good character to add to what who Summer else, House. Who else do you want on? Uh, I mean, Carl and, uh, uh, I mean, the the Loverboy guys, of course. I mean, of I, you know, Kyle and Carl, of course. Uh, Lin I mean, Lindsay kills Lindsay, I think is having had one of the best seasons. I mean, I personally am a huge Lindsay fan. I really like all of them. Like, I mean, like there's not somebody that I don't like. I did think Paige, like I was not really psyched about how upset she was getting towards Lindsay, but how do you not like Paige? She's just likable, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's, that's why it's the great show is that you end up liking everybody on the show. So, I, it's really, I want to interview all of them, you know, but uh, if you ever have an in, I, I'll, I'll take anybody. Like, so. I, I do. I, I like, I like that. You said, sorry, I'm keeping you on too long. No, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping you. I just, I, you, I, I like, I like that. What you said, because that is always my goal that if you like everybody, yeah. like, like you can understand everyone's point of view, whether you agree or not, you see them trying. I love that. Uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of that, of Summer House. It was uh, season three really changed directions, I feel, for it. And season four really honed it in. And then and, five was just this breath of fresh air, especially well, with... Five is what we oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Four. Four was a breath of fresh air because what, what we were going through, and I just thought it was like one of those things we I, I mean, me and my friends, we look forward to it every week. It kept getting better, and we were just like, This is insane, like this is so good. And it was one of those like when you're like on the uh I remember when the preview they're like, and on the season finale of Summer House, we're like, fuck, it's that time already. Like it's that time already, you know. Like, and what my goal is for Summer House in the future is that I want a in-person reunion i do not want to watch what happens live uh summer house reunion i want a in per i want them to give housewives money to the summer house kids i want them on a soundstage of some sort and i like i just i won't rest till it happens so 
And who do you like on Family Karma? Have you interviewed anyone from? No, I didn't get anybody. But like, but but by the way, Family Karma is also one of those things that you don't like. You don't dislike anybody. Like the thing, and what I hope Family Karma does before season two is they release a lot of those cast members to do interviews. So you so shows like mine can start actually going this is who this is these were the plot lines this person had this is who he fought with and this is who he kind of like or even the parents like you know like those are the things that i think i hope bravo has in the back of their head of like well we have a season two coming up we need to start educating uh people you know right. um like my friend uh mainly bravo i got into family karma because of her you know because of uh you know an instagram account that like she's like i i'm so aligned with her um what she likes and that's how i got into it so it's like i think i know these podcasts and instagram accounts are kind of like sometimes like oh they're like whatever but i think it helps because it actually does reach these people that love these shows like we do you know I'm so proud of Family Karma getting so much good buzz. I put my heart and soul into that. And and I do compare Family Karma season one to Summer House uh, season three. I feel like they both had like a fun, yeah. upbeat, lighthearted. Like do you still like, t- like do you talk to Vishal every week and like do you talk to like I mean, uh, yeah like- I mean uh, yeah I talk to a lot of the, them all the time like. Uh, I keep in touch with all, but I told you, I keep in touch with all my cast. They're all like uh, family. So it's like your, your uh, Marvel cinematic universe, but you're yes. in Bravo. And I, universe. and not only that, I have them cross promote all the time. Like I had, uh, when family karma was airing, I had summer house uh, posts on Instagram, watch family karma yeah, with yeah. pictures of them with the cast of family karma. I'll, I've had Southern charm and Vanderpump people well, on, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Wait, why didn't you wait? Why didn't you guys make more of like Jules hooked up with um, uh, Craig? Why didn't you guys like make more of that? Like I was like, Uh, Craig was not uh, uh, as available as I would have. Okay. Uh, Cause I was like, I was like, this, uh, this is crazy. This, the, the Southern charm guys are there yes, and this, yes. they love to drink and like, why? And then all of a sudden we, okay. that that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I did. Yeah. I so there, the, yeah. If, if he was more available, I would have, and he yeah. would have, but he had to go back to South Carolina. Like he was yeah. whatever, like he making pillows. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I love when there's all that. I love that crossover like yes i do too because i want i you like to think like since it is real we are living under the same this same thing so the same person yeah it's like that crossover um did you go to BravoCon last year i did i did i hear that was a hear it was no it's like one of the things that i regret if i knew covid was going to happen i would have blown the rest of my money on it but like i didn't have the you know but now I really regret it. It's like uh, when my parents said they didn't go to Woodstock, you know, and they, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm scared it'll never happen again now. So. I wasn't sure if I was going to go, but, uh, you know, uh, Summer House was like, oh, please, you should go. Like, um, so they had a Q&A with Summer House. So I, I went for that. I, I did. I just stood off to the side, but I went to see my cast and, um, yeah, I, I spent some time a little bit. I saw uh, Ariana, who actually, she's been on the show. Yeah, she's so nice. She's the best. Yeah, I, I love her. I put her in a commercial uh, 
12 years ago uh, before any, before she was ever on Bravo anything. I've known her forever. Yeah. We were, we went to the same acting school. That's how I knew her before oh, even Vanderpump amazing. Rules. And yeah, I mean, it was, it just, a lot of the Vanderpump Rules kids went to the acting school I worked at. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, that's, I mean, God, Ian, you really just made my day. So thank, thank you. Thank oh. you. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Guys, that was Ian Gelfin. How amazing, incredible, lovely, all of the good words that I am not remembering right now, I want to give towards Ian. Thank you, Ian. That man gave me so much of his time for being a busy person, and I really learned so much, and I, I have to imagine you guys did too. It is so cool to really find out all of these questions that I've always wanted to know, and I have 80 billion more for Ian. But uh, thank you so much, Ian. Please go support Summer House. Please, you guys, go watch Family Karma Season 1. Prepare yourself for Season 2. Um, I know he has a, another project coming out in January, which I'll mention on the show when it comes out. And all of the good things. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. That really is my dream type of interview. And it just made me so excited to keep doing this and keep talking to new people. Uh, once again, I wanted to thank thank Shira, uh, who helped me get that interview. Um, really, really amazing, Shira. I really appreciate it. And that's it. I just wanted this interview to stand alone, and I believe it does. And I will talk to you guys again on Wednesday for our last big, massive episode for 2020. Uh, I love you guys. I'll talk to you later this week. Bye. Batches.